Hi, this is Jerry Conway, and you're listening to the Fire and Water Podcast. Shag, and as always, I am joined by my good friend, the celebratory Rob Kelly. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing uh, just great, Shag. It's, it's very exciting to be here for our 200th anniversary. Uh, congratulations on getting the promo on the uh, 17th take. <laughs> was it really? I thought it was 18, but okay, whatever. If you're counting, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, just like good old times, folks. Yes, this is it. This is 200th episode. We've been building this for a long time. In fact, we've been dragging our feet, quite honestly, for a long time because we wanted this to get relatively close to match up with our sixth anniversary. The Fire and Water podcast started back on September 7th, 2011, and we're just about a week off from that, but we are celebrating here six years of this little show and so much more after that. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm, I'm completely shocked that we're, we're here together, Rob. And yes. Who would have expected that when we started this that we would still be doing it six years from now and that it would be a bigger, a bigger thing than any of us ever imagined? That's it's extraordinary. It's unbelievable. I mean, the, the friends we've met, the lawyers we've hired, the contracts <laughs> we've, we've dealt with, it's, it's quite astonishing. But, the the but, blackmail letters we've sent. <laughs> hey, you can't prove any of those were me. I wiped the prints off. But... <laughs> Before we get too far into the into this love letter to to you people at home, we should probably take a second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Well, Rob, it's a party. It's a birthday. It's an anniversary. What you got? Well, I have an anniversary edition. I have Transformers 30th Anniversary Collection hardcover. 
It's a celebration 30 years in the making. Relive the landmark comics that helped define the legacy of Transformers and read along with the creators that have made these great comics as Jim Sorensen provides insight from a range of writers and artists that breathe life into the denizens of Cybertron. From Marvel to Dreamwave to IDW and other iterations and in between, this book is a must-have for Transformers collectors. You know that means me. The writer is Jim Sorensen, who, as you all know, is one of my favorite Transformers writers. The artists are various. The cover artist is Alex Milne. 300 120 pages, normal price $49.99, in stock trades price $34.99, that's 30% off, that is so totally worth it to get all these awesome Transformers comics, happy anniversary, Transformers. I um, I gotta wonder, <laughs> I gotta wonder, uh, given the reprint status of this, I wonder if Marvel's uh, issue number three is now the one that had Spider-Man as a team up. Oh, it's interesting, it, they, they don't mention it, but I hope so, that would be awesome. It'd be, it might be kind of confusing if it's not. So anyway, I've also picked an anniversary trade paperback. I picked Legends 30th Anniversary Edition. Uh, mine's a little more straightforward. I tried to think of something anniversary-related that Firestorm was in, and this was the big one that came up. So writer John Ostinger, Len and Len Wein, art by John Byrne and Carl Kessel. I love this series. Our good buddy Michael Bailey did a deep, deep, deep dive into Legends a year or two ago. I don't remember. Was it last year? I can't remember. I think it was just last year. That was so much fun, too. I really, really had a blast doing that. Oh, it was great. And th- this is just the main six-issue miniseries. And so it's 168 pages, full color. I mean, it's drawn by John Byrne in the 80s. Come on, that's the height of his powers. This yeah, is just seriously. absolutely gorgeous. Normally retails for $17.99. You can get it for 42% off right now for $10.43. I love this miniseries. I think it holds up. I really enjoyed the hell out of rereading it again last year. And uh, if you don't have it, you really should. Ignore the new 30th anniversary cover because across the top it says, First appearance of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> As seen in the movies. Right, exactly. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, uh, for these and all your other collector editions, please visit InStockTrades.com. Be sure to go up to the Contact Us button and let them know you heard about them on the Fire and Water podcast. Woof. All right. Now. Rob, we, talk, we, we, we said this is our 200th episode, which is a big deal. And a lot of people have been very kind and wishing us lots of congratulations, saying this is quite an achievement. Truth of the matter is, I mean, if you really look at the content on our network, I, I did some math today. I had to take off my shoes and everything. And I counted it up. On our podcast network, there are over 800 <laughs> podcasts episodes on our network holy crap now and all of that's not rob and i i mean rob and i did you know do several of the shows but you know we've got ciscoid we've got ryan well you know i don't i'm gonna forget people if i don't if i i'm gonna i'm gonna forget somebody here so i'm not gonna name everybody but uh we've got tons of people creating content some of that content existed before the network even existed like uh secret origins and supermates and Lonely Hearts all got ported in. So those were pre-existing shows that joined the network after they'd already been created. So some of those were created outside the network. But really, I mean, just it's unbelievable. That's crazy. We talk way the hell too much. Out of the 800, I'd say at least three have valuable information. Let's not let's not get crazy and carried away. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know my Doctor Who episodes were pretty important, but I mean, come on. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's unbelievable how much this has changed in six years. Because I mean, it started off you and I doing this little, and we're going to talk more about it. Because there's, we're going to get into the details later on. But when we started this thing, it was just you know, it was about Aquaman and Firestorm. You know, that's that's all it was. It was our little love letter to these characters and the fact that they both were getting new series in the new Fifty Two of all things, right? What's the new 52? I know. 
Um, actually, I want to read the very first iTunes review we got a little later, by the way. <laughs> it's kind of relevant to that. But It's from some it, asshole named Count Drunkula, probably. No, that's the second iTunes review oh, okay. we got, actually. <laughs> but, so it's just amazing to think that it's grown from you know, just Aquaman and Firestorm to everything else it is. I mean, the Aquaman and Firestorm shows, we don't even do that many of them anymore. <laughs> no, we really, <laughs> no, we really don't. It, it just is the foundation for what we built it on. But in so many of our friends, we've met through this thing. It's unbelievable. So, all right, we started talking today online. We, the, the group of us that are contributors to the show, or to the network, that is. And it's amazing to us. How, you know, We talked about 800 shows. Unbelievable. It's also amazing how diverse the group of people in the Fire and Water Podcast Network are. So we, we looked at this. The, 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 the people that produce content for our network, uh, it's grown to include people in different countries, people of different ethnicities. There are 11 men and 10 female contributors, believe it or not. That's why I didn't want to start naming people because I knew I was going to forget somebody. Uh, I didn't even know there was 10. I, I had to sit there. I'm like, what? Who am I forgetting? 10 men. Tw- uh, t- I'm sorry, t- 11 men, 10 women. Uh, for some of those, actually, for many of those, actually, English was not even their first language. We've got people, we've got representation from the LGBTQ community. Uh, we've got differently abled folks. We've got people of different religious beliefs. It is an incredibly diverse group of creators that are creating amazing shows. I mean, every time, every morning I look at my iPod and look, or my, my iPhone, and see what's what show came out because I'm so excited to hear what they put out. And it's wonderful content. It's wonderful people. And these people have genuinely become our friends. I did not know that uh, Ryan's first language is not English. He's doing really well. Well, it's Pig Latin. It's Pig Latin. <laughs> so um, he's he's doing okay. I mean, he's got those little board books he's reading to Reese, <laughs> and those are helping him, you know, finish the finish learning. So it he's got to learn the very word, hungry he's gotta, caterpillar. He's got to learn the word magpie. So for that uh, nightcast show, but. Um, <laughs> And speaking of you know diversity, we've got listeners from around the globe, and that's not an exaggeration. Uh, they're from all all well, we don't have anybody in Antarctica, but pretty much every other continent's represented. Uh, we, some of these are some of the most amazing creative people. I mean, think about all the people connected with the show, whether they're just listeners or friends or whatever. All the blogs they do, the podcasts, the websites. The we've got people that have written amazing songs for us. Hell, we did a whole episode that was just a, like a, a a song list, the soundtrack of, episode. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Of all these different songs people have sent us. I mean, people do amazing works of art. I actually, for one of Rob's birthdays a few years ago, when he he turned 60, I took all (laughs) this different artwork that people have sent us over the years in scans and all this stuff, and I put it together in a book for him just, you know, because I celebrate it. Uh, We've got tons of what I look good for 60, all right? I'm just saying. I'm surprised you can run that far with your little, you know, anyway, with your cane. But uh, (laughs) the action figure, photo caption stuff people send us that are like, you know, Derek does or Ryan used to do, they're hilarious. And stuff just goes on and on. You guys are amazing. And we said this probably in the second episode when you guys started leaving us feedback, but this show is nothing without y'all. It's all about the community and the fact that this network exists. The fact that we just went to Heroes Con and hung out with all these people, all of it's down to you guys. It really is. You guys are the, the single best podcast listening community in the world, and you are our friends, and you are such an integral part of the show, and we thank you for it. And I'm honored that you guys even want to talk to us. It's fantastic. I love you guys. Yeah, that was the whole idea behind this episode, because we used to do listener feedback all the time. That was a regular feature, and then just as Shag's schedule has gotten more complicated, my schedule's gotten more complicated, and the lawyers got involved, and all the different things, we just haven't had a chance to do as much listener feedback, and we wanted to make sure that we did that. So that was the idea of the Ask Us Anything episode, was to get everybody back involved, and luckily we got a whole ton of questions to read, which we will get to eventually. 
Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, that, w- that was the idea. Instead of making episode 200 about some external thing, some other comic book or whatever, we decided to make it about the network itself. So that, that was kind of the idea behind it. I mean, the, of course, the original idea for episode 200 was that Shag and I would fight the new members of the network. Uh, but they, we couldn't get them to agree to that, unfortunately, a bunch of pansies. So we're just going to end up doing this Ask Us Anything thing. And Jerry Conway called and said, I, didn't I narrate this last time exactly, for you guys right, at episode exactly. 100? Guys, come on. Move on. So, in fact, you know, I'm feeling a bit nostalgic. I think this time what we're going to do, Rob, we're going to forget putting this on the network. We're going to put it on the old Blogspot page, <laughs> and uh, we're going to put it up on the Tumblr page. We'll find the corresponding images there. How's that sound? We're going to release it on audio cassette. That's right. So if you're hearing this now, we hope you've got your uh, the, the pencil you used to right. spin the cassette when it gets exactly. all wound up like that. Exactly. <laughs> well, sir, I think uh, I think we've covered all the stuff we need to cover other than get into these questions. I think so. I think so. Do you want to just start off? Yeah, sure. All right, we'll start off. First one from Chris Franklin from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, just to name a couple of his shows. He does the Supermates podcast with his wife, Superman Minute podcast, uh, sorry, sorry, Superman Movie Minute, and uh, many, many more. And Chris asks us, when you close your eyes and think of Aquaman and Firestorm, what image do you see? Rob? Uh, Aquaman, I picture several different images from the apparel run in adventure comics. I don't have a specific panel, but that's the look. Those are, those are my favorite Aquaman stories of all time. That, that brief seventies adventure run. So that's what I see when I think of Aquaman. Like I just immediately think of it. Firestorm actually is one single image. And that is Pat Broderick's close up of Firestorm in jail. Number 200, where he's uh-huh. try, in that, where he's fighting Martian Manhunter Martian. and he's trying to yeah. contemplate uh, for some reason. That's the, that's the, the first image I see. All right. I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give three for each, but I have a number one. So I, so in each one. So for Aquaman, this is weird. I didn't even know this was the first image in my head. Uh, it's actually an Alan Davis Aquaman drawing from that Sub Diego run, you know, when, uh, when, he, when he was doing the covers for that. Oh, those are beautiful. Yeah, because they returned Aquaman basically to his classic costume. The differences were they gave him this thick kind of gold metal collar. It wasn't like 90s-ish. It was just a collar piece. And no gloves. And there's one on, on the cover of Aquaman number 20 where he's swimming at you. And now Aquagirl's next to him. But this, the shot of him has been reproduced a bunch of times. And uh, it's just a really great classic-looking Aquaman swimming at you. And I, that's sort of the image of Aquaman I think of. Uh, I don't think about the water hand, but the rest of it I, I totally think of when I think of him. Then if you go beyond that, you know, your JLGL stock art that shows up everywhere, of course, shows uh, pops in my head. And then you're going to love this, Rob. Some of the Marty Eglund art of Aquaman with the hook hand and the, as you call it, be, be, bedraggled? Is that what you call him? <laughs> bedraggled, yeah. The bedraggled Aquaman by Marty Eglund. No particular image, but just his interpretation of that Aquaman with the with the silver shoulder piece and everything. That's what I. Those are the three I think of of Aquaman. With Firestorm, it's only two actually. With Firestorm, very specific ones. Um, for Firestorm, you would think it'd be Broderick, right, or or, or Milgram, but it's not. It's Raphael Kanan because this is when I started reading Firestorm for me. It's the cover of Annual Number Two. That's the one where Firestorm's standing in the front. And he's sort of looking over his shoulder, and behind him is all of his villains, you know, coming at him. It was that ridiculous dream one that was a, a novella, but that cover, I, I want that thing as a poster. It's beautiful. And then the other one is the cover of Issue Number Sixty. With I never thought I'd say this drawn by uh, Joe Brozowski, uh, but it was inked by Dick Giordano, and that's the image that always shows up um, on the, for Firestorm fan, the website, for the Fire and Water Podcast logo, that little shot of, of Aquaman on the top and Firestorm on the bottom. That Firestorm shot down there is a Brozowski drawing, actually. And those are the two shots I think of. All right, fair enough. All right, moving on. 
Thanks for that, Chris. Uh, next question comes from our another fellow network member, our buddy Zoom Yukinori, the newest member to the, uh, the Fire and Water Podcast Network, but only by one day. He be, he's newer than Max Romero by one day. Um, Zoom does the Done in One – oh, goodness, it's such a mouthful. Done in One Wonders Podcast Show. Oh, my gosh, it's hilarious. Um, his question was, Rob, what is the worst thing about Firestorm? You know, I, I – I don't. I don't have a worse thing about Firestorm. I, I tried to not over prepare for this, as you will find out soon. Uh, <laughs> no, I no, I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want the answers to just be you know rehearsed stuff. I don't know. I, I guess that I think probably the thing that bothered me the most about Firestorm, I guess, is that he sort of. I don't know that he's like changed appearances over time, but then I think that's the same thing I don't like about Aquaman. So I don't know if I really it's specific to Firestorm. Like every time I look and see Firestorm in that. Tom Mandrake look, the one yeah. where I, I just, I don't know. I'm like, oh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, like, I like the classic uniform so much, but I mean, of course I do because I'm an old fuddy-duddy. But that's not even a worse thing. I don't know. I don't think there's anything particularly bad about Firestorm. I think it's a really solid character all across the, across the board. Fair enough. And, and you know, it's interesting. My answer, my next, well, for the next question is, Shag, what's your worst thing about Aquaman? Uh, my, my answer is not too dissimilar from yours. Um, the worst thing about Aquaman for me is not the character. It's that there's so many great runs of Aquaman that seem to be followed up with a not-so-great run. Uh, usually either, it's like they lose their way with either a new writer or a new direction. A couple of examples. Um, and, and Rob may not agree with some of these, but these are favorite runs of mine. Uh, I love the legend of Aquaman special with the retold Aquaman's origin for post-crisis. A lot of people don't tough noogies guys. I'm the one with the microphone. Uh, it's by Keith Giffen and Robert Lauren Fleming. I love that special. I really do. But then it was immediately followed up by the same team by that terrible miniseries. It's horrible. That five issue miniseries that Kurt Swander on is awful. Uh, the Peter David run, which I love so much was immediately followed up by Eric Larson. You know, that was a huge misstep. Uh, the Sub Diego story, which was fantastic, was immediately followed up by Sword of Atlantis. Now, Sword of Atlantis has its good points, but Sub Diego was on such a good path, such a good trajectory. You know, the Jeff Parker run was phenomenal. And then it was immediately followed up by Cullen Bunn, a completely different direction that really wasn't received well. So that's the frustrating thing for me with Aquaman is that when, you, when, when everything's firing on all thrusters, they seem to want to change direction, and it doesn't work out usually. It's very disappointing. I do have an answer for this one, actually. To me, the worst thing about Aquaman is not so much that they killed Arthur Jr. off, is that is that no writer has been able to drop it ever since. Like, mm. it, you know, I mean, now, of course, there is no Arthur Jr., so they finally de-shackled him from that. But for years, it was just every writer could not help but bring that back. It was just like, you know, they would get over it, and then it would come up again. They would get over it, and then it would come up again. And I know the idea of, the, you know, you're not going to, quote-unquote, get over it. But just they never could let Aquaman and Mira just be happy again, and that always drove me nuts because it was like, you know, geez, guys, let's move on. So that 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 was kind of a bothersome thing. So that to me, and and I would th and I think that probably hamper, hampered the character because I think new fans would read it and be like, what are we going to read this mopey guy for? You know, I think that probably had something to do with it. Uh, you know, um, you know, I'm never going to get over was that that was my question that you answered. And he didn't ask you what the problem with Aquaman was. He asked you a problem with Firestorm. So I way know. to go. Way to follow the rules, Rob. You you set the framework down for what this episode is going to be about, and you can't even keep to it. I mean, this is just typical Rob. I mean, 200 episodes in, same as always. That's right. 
<laughs> I am a rule breaker, as we all know. <laughs> um, next up, we have a question from our pal Andy Capellish, and he says, "What is your favorite issue of Russell Burbage's JLA fan comic? And would you ever consider doing a review of them for Fire and Water? I think that would be best." Also, happy 200. Thank you, Andy. Uh, yeah, I do have a favorite, and that's the one that Russell did right around for my birthday a couple of years ago, which was a very Aquaman-centric story. And I, I'm blanking on the name of the actual story, but uh, it was written uh, – Russell wrote it, and it was written, co-written by Rick Duncan, another regular reader of The Shrine. And it had this great turn where Aquaman uh, has to turn against the, the JLA. Superman goes – Superman turns evil, and they end up digging out chunks of kryptonite dust – in the bottom of the ocean. And that's how Aquaman gets the drop on Superman. And I thought it was such a great turn. Like, I can't believe that had never been done in a comic before. So I was like, wow, Russell and Rick, like they should, DC should just steal that idea. I thought it was <laughs> really good. It's, they're, they're really fun. I mean, Russell's enthusiasm for these characters just bleeds off the page. And just the fact that he sits and draws them all is unbelievable. As to doing reviews, no, I don't think we would do reviews because they're not meant for that. That's the same reason why we don't review our friends' podcasts. It's just, they're not, you know, Russell's not selling them. Russell's not saying this is something that you can purchase or whatever. He's done them, he's doing them for fun. And I don't, I think reviewing them would be kind of, you know, just, I don't know, maybe like almost inappropriate. But the, they're out there. Go, go to Russell's blog. You can see them. You see some of them on the shrine they're really uh, a whole lot of fun friends of justice is the site to look for right yes i'm sorry yes friends of justice. um my favorite with for sort of similar reasons my favorite is is uh, just league of america number 44 which he called the flames of justice which introduced firestorm where firestorm hung out with the team he ultimately didn't join which i think was a misstep by russell and plotting but whatever anyway um but I, it was a lot of fun to see Firestorm in there. Uh, he kept sending me pictures of it, you know, during the development process, and like having to do fire, the Firestorm transformation was lots of fun. I just, I loved, I loved seeing that. Now, if I had to pick a favorite moment, and I can't remember what issue this is in, uh, but he did a Slipknot Hostess Twinkie ad, which was hysterical. So I, I mean, I make an appearance in it and everything. So of course, that's my true favorite. <laughs> All right. Up next, we're here from our buddy Jose Rivera. He says, hey, guys, congrats on 200 episodes. Out of the many things I take away from this show, I have to give you guys credit for getting back, uh, getting me back into comicsology. It started last year with the Justice League 3000 discussion. I loved hearing about the series, and I just had to try it. My comic shop didn't have most of the single issues in only one trade. So I went to comicsology after a long absence to get both the series and reading comics digitally a try again. And I liked it, and I haven't stopped since. And don't get me wrong, I read comics whether they're digital or physical, but since I recently moved into my first apartment and space is an issue, it's digital for now. Well, uh, that and the sales are pretty good, too. I know Shag isn't averse to reading comics digitally, but I'm curious where Rob stands on the issue and what both uh, and what both of your yours, meaning both of us, uh, pros and cons are to digital comics. And then congrats on 200 episodes, and always keep up the good work. Thanks, Jose. I really appreciate that. Rob, what are your pros and cons of digital comics? Uh, I mean, I, I read digital comics purely to just uh, literally take in the story. I don't find them pleasurable to read. Uh, maybe it's because of the, 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 the iPad I have or the computer I have. It just it, To me, the, it, they're just not convenient. Um, part of it is because when I like to read, I like to read in bed before I go to sleep. And I, don't, I have kind of a rule that I don't bring any electronic devices into the bedroom. Uh, insert poor, joke Poor here. Tracy. Yeah, exactly. I knew you were going to go for that. Um, <laughs> hey, we don't need nothing like that. Uh, oh, God. I'm all man, Clyde. No, I don't. I don't. I don't bring my phone. I don't bring a tablet. I to me, it's like I am already attached. My phone is attached to the hip enough. 
I don't need to bring it in to, to, to go to sleep. So to me, that's kind of just like a flat rule. Um, so I read them, you know, like I get Aquaman digitally because I really don't have a LCS anymore. So getting a physical copy is just completely inconvenient. So I want to read it for the sake of just having read it. But in terms of pleasure, it's always going to be a, a hard copy. It's, if, if it's an old comic I want to read, I will buy it on eBay or buy it in a convention or something. And I will, I will have, a, I have a pile of comics next to my bed, much like uh, Shag and his sad sacks. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still in the print form, but I also know that they're going to go away. That the digital comics will eventually take over. Um, I think Frank Diablo Frank made this, uh, a comparison, which I think is probably pretty accurate, that maybe at some point print comics will be like vinyl albums, where they'll huh? just be like this retro niche market thing, um, and they'll just be they'll be able to make enough for diehard fans, and everybody else will just completely be moved over to, to digital. Um, so you know, I'm I'm just I don't know. I, maybe until they do them a little differently, I, I I just find reading digital comics just kind of inconvenient. So I'm I'm still more on the print side. All right, interesting. Uh, I'm definitely, definitely very, very in love with digital comics. Um, it, it took a while for it to happen. Uh, for me, it's it, I'm not the same as you. I, I don't keep electronics out of the bedroom, but I do sort of segregate the way I do this. Like on my phone is where I do all my social media and all that jazz. My tablet is just this crappy little tablet I got from Verizon. Um, it's a it's eight inch tablet, so it's a little bigger than your standard seven inch. Not as big as an iPad, but all I do is use it for reading and watching stuff on like Netflix. It, there's no social media on it. There's no email on it. There's no there's no communication whatsoever. So when I'm on the tablet, I'm not getting interrupted with notifications. Nothing. Oh, that's it's interesting. Just, I didn't even yeah. think about that. That's a good idea. So uh, I, I use it for you know I use it for comicsology. I use it for CBRs, whatever those might be. Uh, I use it for movies and stuff. But um, one of the things I love about digital comics is first of all the the biggest thing is storage. I mean. I can carry around 15,000 comics in my hand, you know, anywhere I go, you know, I go to the mall, I go to the doctor's office, whatever. I've got every comic, you know, on Marvel Unlimited that I could ever get to and anything I've, I've downloaded, whatever. So I love that aspect. I love the guided view or panel view, depending on what system you're using, where you get to just look at one panel of art at huge blown up size. Now, I realize most comics weren't designed to be read that way. But some of these artists are so detailed, or they just what they can do with just a simple line. It's, it makes you really appreciate the art and really appreciate what's happening in that panel. Because when you read a comic as a full page, you'd be shocked how many of those panels you really don't even look at. You read the word balloon and just move on. Is what happens, and you don't even realize it. But reading it panel by panel, you really dive into the art a lot more, and I absolutely love that. So that that's that's been a big uh, eye opener for me. And. Uh, what else? Uh, the downside, of course, is there is a tangibility to having the paper. I do enjoy that. But um, I, given now where I'm living now, where the space is a little different, and my comment, my 49 lawn boxes are in the garage um, behind a sofa and a bunch of other crap, <laughs> digital comics are pretty popular for me right now. <laughs> I don't want to dig behind all that furniture and go down six boxes to get uh, you know, an issue of X-Men. So I'm a I'm, I'm pretty big fan of it. I, I know. I was going to say, I'm sorry, one more thing. Inversely, I'm still struggling reading books on the tablet. I hmm. don't know what it is. You think most people make the leap to books first, right? I, I, I can do it. I've done it. Uh, I, I purposely try to make myself read some Star Trek books on there. But, like, I, books, I want the hard copy in my hand. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the, the one other thing I was going to mention is, like, to me, if it's a comic pre-1990, 
Uh, okay. I really don't want to read it digitally because it won't have the ads. I like looking at the vintage uh, uh, ads now. That to me, like uh, those are a lot of fun. And in fact, what I've been some of the episodes I've been doing on the Mountain Comic series, I'm talking about the ads as well. And yep. d- d- Comicsology gets rid of all those. So to me, that's a that's a major loss of looking at a comic from like 1977 and not seeing the ads for Heroes World or the uh, Answer Man columns, all that all that back matter stuff. I really like all that. So that's if if Comicsology could fit that stuff in, I would probably be more on board with. It. <laughs> I need my Frogger ads. Exactly. Um, So thank you, Jose. Next up, uh, we have Brian Linton. He says, Robin Shag, the love you have for both of your respective heroes is clear. I I am curious to learn who is your favorite supporting character to your hero and what is your favorite story involving that supporting character. I'll leave it to each of you to define a supporting character however you like. Thank thank you for all the blood, sweat, and tears that you've poured into the show and its fan community. I hereby move that we, the aforementioned fans, immediately organize a bandage, deodorant, and tissue donation drive for your benefit. (laughs) Thank you, you, Brian. Uh, So, Shag, what's your your answer to that? Well, uh, for Firestorm, uh, since he said respective, so I've got my Firestorm characters, Uh, my favorite supporting character is, of course... Clarissa Clemens, the lilac-tinted whore. Um, really no, we could go a whole episode without getting that in. but I, I had to. It's an anniversary. No, really. My favorite character is Doreen Day, that horrible bitch. No, wait. I'm sorry. No, wait, wait, wait. Um, truthfully, uh, I, I went and picked two because one of them is – Professor Stein is flat out my favorite character in the Firestorm story. I don't know if that's fair to call him a supporting character. So. No, I would, say, I would argue he is not a supporting character. Okay. Because, I mean, Firestorm is the character. Stein, so anyway, so then I'll use my backup, but either way, it leads me to the same place. Um, my backup would be Firehawk, then. I absolutely love Lorraine Riley, or Lorraine Riley as Firehawk. I, I love her story, I love her history, I love her as a partner to Firestorm. I love that she sort of evolves and goes her own direction after a while. I, I still think it was a huge misstep not to put her in the JLA without Firestorm. That would have been perfect, but either way, uh, I, I love that character. Now, as far as picking a great story for these supporting characters, it's the same story for both Stein and uh, Firehawk, so works out perfectly, which is, of course, my favorite uncollected trade paperback, which is Fury of Firestorm, issues number 14 through 18, and annual number one, which features the introduction of Firehawk. It features the story of Professor Stein. You find out about his ex-wife. It's got Tokamak. Uh, it's a great, great story. Uh, Raphael, it starts off with Broderick, finishes with uh, Raphael Kane, and awesome story that should have been collected. All right, good answer. Um, for me... I mean, I, I don't even know if I could call Mira a supporting character anymore. I mean, she really is a, like a co-character at this now point. Is, yeah. Now she is, yeah. Um, so uh, putting Mira aside, uh, I would I would say um, we already mentioned her, Aqua Girl, uh, the Lorena version. Uh, not so much. I like Tula, but the the one introduced in the Sub Diego storyline, I just thought she was terrific. I loved her costume. I loved her attitude. I loved how she worked off of Aquaman. Uh, I really wish that she had been kept around a lot longer. And I, in fact, I love that character so much that many years ago, when just for kicks, I actually wrote an original Aquaman story. Um, I worked Lorena into it. I didn't work. Oh. I didn't work Garth into it. I didn't work Tula into it. I worked Lorena, and she was basically like the second main character. No one will ever see that story because I'm never going to get it drawn by anybody or whatever. It's just <laughs> sitting in a file. But uh, but yeah, I, I really thought that character and that cover that you mentioned, Jake, the one by Alan Davis. That's mm-hmm. got the two of them. That is to me one of the great Aquaman images of all time. The two of them barreling down at the camera. So uh, yep. yeah, I would go with I would go with Lorena. I thought her as Aqua Girl was just terrific. Now I realize. I'm not supposed to answer for Aquaman, but the crazy thing is, that's the character who was in my mind as well. Yeah, he's great. Great, great character. 
All right. Well, thank you, Brian. We appreciate that. Uh, up next, we've got a question from Ryan Daly. I don't know who this guy is, but I hear he's part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. does a bunch of shows, including Nightcast and It's Midnight, the Podcasting Hour, and several others. And Ryan says, what do you do when comics and podcasts are no longer the most important part of your world? Asking for a friend who just had a baby. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Rob, I'll take this one just as experience as a father myself. My friend, it's Netflix and binging dumb sitcoms to begin to rot your brain. Because every kid will think by the time they're a teenager that you're stupid. So you just need to get there. <laughs> oh, goodness. He's going to start watching Big Bang Theory. Oh. <laughs> don't do it. The people. Uh, right? Yeah, no, I don't really have an answer to this because this stuff is the most important part. I will say that... Uh, when um, like if when I record a podcast, I generally record later at night. We're doing this later at night, or I record other shows later at night. Um, I don't have time to edit it. I usually have to go to bed, and then I get up in the morning and get ready to go to I do my run, and I get up and ready and go to work. And I will admit, like while I'm at work, I'm thinking about all the podcasting I could be doing, or, or could be working on. It is it is by far like the most creatively satisfying thing that I do. And so while it is not the most important thing in my life, it's pretty close up there. And so, uh, yeah, so I don't have a great answer to that question because there aren't too many <laughs> things that replace this. You know, you know, Rob said it there, but we record late at night. I mean, we start recording traditionally when we start is at 1030 at night. And that's really, I, I don't know if that's you, the preferred for you or if you've just gotten there after six years, but that's my schedule dictating that because of the kids. I have to wait till the kids are in bed because uh, I've got a teenager and, a, and an 11 year old. And then I have to wait till my wife sort of settled in too. So she doesn't feel like I'm neglecting her too much. So that's why we start so late. Yeah, that's me too. I mean, I wish we didn't have to start quite so late. And it's actually worse for me in the summer because in the summer I get up at four in the morning to run. And so that gets a little difficult. It's the winter gets a little easier because I'm not getting up. So dad, blame it early. But what are you going to do? That's a self-imposed deadline. So what are you going to do? You live in New Jersey, isn't it like 10 months of winter or something like that? Yeah, depressingly, yes. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Which is why, this is funny, which is why people ask me, like, why you do it every single day? Well, because I'm trying to squeeze every moment of warmth out of the summer that I can (laughs) because it doesn't last too long. Um, So uh, next up is our pal Gene Hendricks from the Hammer Strikes podcast and blog, Legend of the Superheroes, and more over on the Two Two Freaks Network. And I think he's the the only person who's ever uh, welcomed both of us into his house at the same time. That's right. Yeah, I'm sure he regretted that. But uh, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, they had to tent the house after we left. That's right. And uh, yeah, so uh, Gene sent us actually a bunch of questions. And Gene has been on the show, of course. Gene was on Fire and Water. Uh, he, he let's do all seven questions right in a row here. He says, "What's the story about how you two first got started podcasting together?" Then he says, "Shag, Rob has finally gotten Darlin Tracy to start podcasting with him. What are the odds of Mrs. Shag doing a show with you?" Rob, do you have a favorite listener interaction? If so, if so, what would that have been? Shag, do you have a favorite listener interaction? Ditto. Rob, if you ever met Peter David and you had to talk to him about Aquaman, what would you say? Oh, boy. <laughs> Are there any funny behind-the-scenes moments that you two wouldn't mind sharing with us? When do you think the next network meetup will be? Would you consider having it where it's not necessarily connected to a convention like we did in Orlando this year? That's all I can think of at the moment. Congratulations on making it to 200 episodes, and thank you for letting me be a small part of that. Well, thank you, Gene. Absolutely, Gene. Thrilled to have you as part of it, buddy. All right, that's up. So the first one, the story of us getting together. Um, Well, I guess I'll start part of it, and then you can talk about the podcast part of it. Rob and I met online through a dating service. No. um, (laughs) That same fetish site that uh, Ryan met Angie. (laughs) Right. 
Uh, way back in 2001, Rob built a little website. It, it wasn't the real Aquaman Shrine, but no. it was a website dedicated, or a, a wing of his website dedicated to Aquaman. It was off his illustration site. It was just his one site where he would throw stuff up there. And again, this is 2001. I mean, we're still using probably Metacrawler or something at this point. I don't know. And I stumbled across it because I was looking for Aquaman because as far as I was concerned, I was the only Aquaman fan I knew. <laughs> and I, I seriously, I didn't know anyone in person that was like a diehard Aquaman fan. And I find this doof online who's posting things like, you know, these, uh, I don't know, Arabic Pepsi cans with Aquaman on it. And <laughs> I'm like, wow. What's that? I still have that thing. I bet you do. And I'm like, this is cool. And so what do I do? Because I like listener feedback, I freaking wrote him a letter, uh, you know, a great email letter. And we went back and forth via email and we got to, I mean, we, we talked quite a few times. I, I actually, this is the weird part, folks. I kept some of them in a text document. I, I, I scare myself through the crap I kept. Anyway, uh, I found him. That's how I know it's 2001. So we stayed in touch over the years, and then he started the real Aquaman Shrine, which in 2006, which of course went gangbusters and has been a huge, huge source of information across the internet, and that inspired me to start the Fire and Water. I'm sorry, the Firestorm Fan podcast. Um, I'm all over the place with that Firestorm Fan blog, woof, which I did for a number of years and finally petered out about a year ago. So, Rob, why don't you take the story from there? Yeah, well, at that point, uh, Shag, I, well, I had been running the Shrine for a couple of years, for five years at that point, and the podcasting thing was starting to gear up, and I was sort of like, you know what, it might be kind of fun to do a, a, an Aquaman Shrine podcast, and um, I, but I didn't want to do it by myself, because I knew that would just be awkward, like, to just be sort of just talking into the void, like Ryan, and I was like, I didn't <laughs> want to do that, and so I'm picking on him a lot this episode, I don't know why, but He's anyway... Started. Yeah, that's I guess so. Um, and so, uh, right around that time, read right, that I had that notion, I started downloading podcasts, and Shag was on an episode with Michael Bailey talking about who's who. And I at, at that point, I, I was a professional podcast guest. I was right, uh, I was right. all over the place guesting. Right, and I had known you, and I liked the Who's Who show, and I was like, wow, I, it, it was weird. Like, it didn't even occur to me that you could do, like, a podcast about something like that, you know? I just it, And I was like, well, you really could do it. And so that's when I reached out to Shag and said, hey, why don't we do a podcast together when we do Aquaman and Firestorm? And that way we have, like, double the amount of content to talk about. And that's kind of where it's – and Shag went ahead and did And we, we took – I don't forget how long it took us to get going – because I, I first mentioned to you it was just a really loose notion, and then it just sort of built from there over time. Well, the seed was the New 52, was because they announced the New 52, and there was going to be a new Aquaman and Firestorm book. And that's part of what we oh, said. It was like, right. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. We said, wow, you know, that, that would be a perfect time to do this because of, because of this. And that's kind of where it was. And we ended up talking on the phone for like an hour, hour and a half. Um, it's where we had our first fight. It was really bad. And... We just kind of felt a, a gel, and at that point, uh, I, I'm going to take credit for a couple of things. I, I insisted that we not agree on things because um, I, I, I I've always had the strong philosophy that it's more interesting to listen to two people disagree on a podcast than to listen to them agree because they just go, yeah, I like that. I like that too. You know, boring. I'd rather hear somebody have an argument. So I said we should have that, and then we started working on names and, and – you can tell me I'm wrong, but you'd be wrong if you say it. I came up with a fire and water idea, so we should be playing on that. And at one point, we were going to call it the Fish Fry Podcast, I think. But anyway, I think fire and water probably came out better. But it's so, it's so that whole the once we came up with this name of fire and water, it just it, it snowballed from there. We're like, oh, we'll be up against each other, and, da, 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 and it just worked out perfect. Yes, yes, it did. Yeah, and I, and I said I've said on previous uh, shows, and this sounds like I'm making a joke. 
or I'm, or I'm trying to like insult shag it. I'm not, but it's, it's the kind of thing where had I known how much of a relationship you have to have with your podcast co-host, I never would have started it. <laughs> I know it sounds like, I, cause it sounds like I'm an insult, but what I mean is if I had known how sort of intimately you have to get comfortable with your co-host, that would have been intimidating to sure. me. And I never would have started because I would have said, oh, my God, I don't really know this guy. You know what I mean? Who knows? And I, I'm glad that I didn't know that because we just went ahead and did it and it worked out really well. But I would have that would have been really, really intimidating if I had known because it's you really have to rely on one another pretty solidly if you want to make sure that you maintain a schedule. And that's something Shag and I have in common is that we have a real dedication to once we started doing it, we're doing it. You know, we're not going to just kind of fly by night and, oh, well, we'll record one when we feel like recording one. We really have kept to a schedule. Once we set a schedule for ourselves, we've really kept to it. And it's been tough. There have been times where we've recorded shows, you know, like Saturday night that went up the next day or like Sunday. We think we even did one like on a Sunday morning that went up that day. Uh, we've, we, we've really, you know, skated it just under the wire kind of thing sometimes. But that's because we both have real dedication to making sure, you know, we're, we're delivering what we promised we would deliver. And I wouldn't have known that about him. And there's no way he could have known that about me. So it just sort of worked out that it's, it, we have that same kind of, even though we do have a lot of opposing opinions about stuff, um, that is something that we, we are pretty simpatico on, is that kind of just dedication to doing it and doing it as best we can and making sure that we, you know, do it to the best of our abilities. I appreciate all the kind words. I do have to take issue with a little bit of it in that you're really the you're the wind beneath my wings on this one, buddy. As far as making it happen, because clearly, let's look at oh, I don't know who's who in the legion um, about when I'm in charge of getting stuff done on a timely basis. So Rob is really the one who's been pushing us, you know, week after week to say let's get it done. Or you know, there was many times in the early years where I'm like, ah, we can just skip a week, right? I mean, we'll keep it. And he's like, no, we're gonna do something. And uh, and obviously with my travel schedule and my family, I miss a lot of weeks. So. Honestly, credit to you, buddy. You're you're what kept it going. You're the one that motivates me to want to do a show every week. So I, I appreciate that in you. And that's probably the last nice thing I'll say, just getting that out of the way. I'm just savoring that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, so the next one, Gene asked about uh, getting Mrs. Shag on the podcast. Um, not likely. I, I've, I've tried to bait that hook a couple times. She was not biting. Um, she is very much uh, a, a mundane or a norm or a muggle, whatever you want to call it. She has no interest in the stuff that we love, guys. I mean, she's got her own hobbies. She's got her own interests. Don't get me wrong. But it, none of it crosses over with us. Uh, so and, and she has a very thick southern accent, which is sexy as hell as far as I'm concerned. But she hates the sound of her voice for that. And so I don't know that I can get her on a show. I have an, I have a seedling of an idea in the back of my head that I might be able to plant and take root in a year or so to get her on maybe one episode. <laughs> um, and I'll see if I can work that in, over time. And if it happens, that'd be awesome because I'd love to have her. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at like, you know, obviously Tracy's been on here. You know, Ryan's wife, Angie's been on here. You know, Chris is, you know, uh, Chris's wife, Cindy's on all the time. You know, it's, it's, it's I'm, I'm feeling kind of like, well, oh, I'm not really pulling my way here. So we'll see how it goes. I have to say now that I have done seven or eight episodes uh, with Tracy, uh, Chris Franklin really has it right, man, because recording with your, your, your 
significant other does make life so much easier. <laughs> you don't really? have to you don't have to work it around someone else's schedule. You you're just okay. doing it. It's really been the that that has been a lot of fun, I have to say. So, yeah, but I would I would love to hear Mr. Shag. That would be that would be super fun cuz cuz Shag has talked to Tracy here and there. Like she's been in the background and they've had conversations. Usually it's through you. Usually you're like repeating me, back and yeah, forth. Whatever, right. But I mean, I have literally never heard Mr. Shag talk. I've never heard her. Really? I've, no, I've never heard her talk. Every time I've ever talked, I've never heard I've heard your kids in the background, but I've never okay. heard Mr. Shag. Well, worst case scenario, you'll meet her at the funeral, I'm sure. All right, fair enough. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Gene asks, do I have a favorite listener interaction? Um, I don't know if Gene means like in real life or on the show. I'm going to go with on the show. And that that is probably going to be the episode we did with Frank where we did the DC samplers, which ran for five <laughs> hours. And we just got so silly stupid that I couldn't even like sit up in my chair properly. And we just – it just it just went completely off the rails. It's not a show anybody should listen to because it's so ridiculously long. But that one was just so much fun because we just got stupid. Uh, it, it, it's a descent into madness. It yeah, absolutely it really is. By the fourth hour, madness. you know the yeah. listeners have gone insane. It's it's like reading a, a um, it's like a Cthulhu kind of moment. Yeah. Um, now, if Gene means in in real life, uh, I, I mean you know getting together with Gene was really great. That the one time we got a chance to do the. the yeah, this is the one time we have a chance to you do know, that. You know he's fishing for that, right? Yeah, I know. He's completely looking okay. for a compliment. Uh, but then the other one was, was Heroes Con. Heroes Con was was just fantastic, getting to see everybody. The only problem I ever had with Heroes Con is it was too short. And that's always a good thing, you, you, you know, if, if, it's, if something's too short. But uh, that, that was all of it. That, that whole thing was just great. Uh, for me, um, I can't just pick one. But I will say that the world tours I, I take where I travel for work and I, I hang out with people. Uh, in fact, just a couple nights ago, I had dinner with Kichi Baker and uh, Darren Russo-Sutherland, which was a wonderful. Um, all of those visits where I get to sit down and meet one of the people that either listen to the show or create other content that we meet through the internet, whatever, it, it, those, it's such a real highlight for me. Or, or maybe you can say result of this podcasting effort we do. Making new friends is, is the bottom line. The chance to sit down and hang out with these people has been the most rewarding thing I've done in any creative endeavor ever. And I, I love it. And, I, and it's, uh, it's very special to me. Heroes Con was part of that. I mean, there was, you know, we, we got to meet Ryan, unfortunately, and things like that. <laughs> you know, I think part of the reason I, I feel comfortable making fun of Ryan is now that all these years later, um, you know, when a man spoons another one, you get the right to just make as much fun of him as you can. Hmm. Now I'm making fun of him. I didn't spoon him that you know about, so I don't know why that doesn't. I don't know if no, he spooned that. me, so right. I'm allowed to mock okay. him as much as but I want. But I'm saying I'm mocking him, and I didn't. Well, all right, whatever. So, uh, anyway, uh, Gene continues. He says, have you ever met Peter David? Did you have to talk to him about Aquaman? What would you say? I have met Peter David. Uh, I met him at a Comic-Con, and I did ask him to come on uh, the Aquaman Shrine back when it was just a blog. And he agreed to, and it never really worked out. And then the one interaction – I don't want to get into the whole story because I don't necessarily want to – like. I know we said ask us anything. We want to be honest. But, uh, like, I – Peter David said he would do it. And then we went back and forth, and I sent him probably half a dozen emails trying to get him to follow up. And every time he would say, oh, I lost your email. Can you resend it? Mm. And I'd be kind of like, how can you lose an email? You know, like it's an email. So I would resend it, and he just kind of kept blowing me off. And then I finally gave up. And then um, like a long time later, the only time he's ever come to the shrine was when I did a post and I called – 
it was like some stock art, and it was the, 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 the what I called Pirate Aquaman. And he showed up to basically slam me and the Aquaman Trans readers for calling it Pirate Aquaman. Uh. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of done. I'm done with this guy. You know, uh, I, I get it. And we'll get, there's another question that relates to this later on. I totally get why people like Peter David's Aquaman. And he certainly did a lot for the character. I will never deny that. But this just, it, the, the work itself never appealed to me. And my interactions with him were not great. And so even though there's, um, I've been very fortunate in to interview virtually everybody that's significant to Aquaman that is living, uh, whether it be Paul Kupperberg or Jeff Johns or Ivan Reese or uh, J.M. DeMatteis or Steve Skates, you know, um, Peter David, not having a Peter David interview is a giant hole on the site because he was so significant to the character. But at a certain point I had to just give up because he was just making it so bloody difficult. So I was like, okay, I'm done. So that, that, that's my interaction with Peter David, and that will be the, my only interaction with Peter David. Wow. So he didn't even contribute a quote for that, like, 70th birthday post nope. you did with, like, everybody? Nope. nope. Oh, Peter. You know, I, all right, fine. Let's pull back the curtain for just a second. I love the Peter David Aquaman, but that bastard made a friend of mine cry at a convention. He was so mean to her. Uh, we were working the convention. He was one of our guests, and there was a problem with badges and things like that, and he was just horrible to her. She was working the badge desk. He was horrible to her. Made her cry, and I've never forgiven him for that. I, I say, I mean, I can separate the creator from the work, because, I mean, I'm sure, reading some of his sure. Star Trek books right now, um, but I just, uh, it's always stuck under my skin. All right, are there any funny behind-the-scenes moments that you two wouldn't mind sharing with us? Well, uh, I have a couple different items. The first thing is, there's a bit of a, a notorious thing that you guys don't hear on the air, unless Rob's making fun of me, but I am always late to a podcast. Ironically, I wasn't tonight, but uh, in, in 200 episodes, 195 of them probably, uh, Rob got a text five minutes before the show saying, can we go 15 more minutes? Rob's nowhere even near his computer because he knows that's coming. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, a, that's an always thing there. Um, I, I have one more, which is there was many, many, many episodes ago. We were right before the show. I said to Rob, I said, you know, Rob, this is supposed to be fire and water. We've been getting along a little too much. We haven't had a good argument in a while. So let, let's let's find something to not get along with. And Aquaman of Earth 2 came up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole yellow glove thing. And we got into it, man. And I got, I mean, I was being a jerk on purpose. It was all on purpose. And I was just being like, no, I'm not listening. No, I'm not doing it. And I kept interrupting him. And it was a nasty, nasty little back and forth. <laughs> and we're like at the end of the episode, we're like, fine, goodbye. You know, and the minute we hit stop on the recorder, Rob and I laughed our asses off. We just couldn't stop laughing. We had tears. We we're laughing so hard. Well, you, the audience, didn't quite respond like we did. <laughs> we got, like, all the social media was like, Mommy and Daddy are fighting. Make it stop. Uh, we actually got one letter, which was a guy was pretty upset and said, if you guys are going to be like this, I'm not going to listen to the show anymore. And it was just like, guys, we're screwing around. We're having fun. <laughs> but uh, it was a, a staged event that you know, went a bit awry, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that was actually going to be the one that I mentioned because. Oh crap! I'm sorry. No, that's all right. I mean, it's a, that was a big moment. It, it, the show, the like what we're doing right now, as I'm sitting here talking, I am being as honest as I can be. But this is, on some level, also a bit of a performance. I mean, am yes. I? Do I say every single thing that's on my mind? No, of course not, because then I'd be frank, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, so, but in that moment, like Shag annoyed the. <laughs> 
fuck out of me. And and so I really was in that moment that mad at him because he just was being such a dick. But I also, I don't know, I wasn't faking being mad, but I wasn't a sustaining mad. I like the minute I got it out, it was over. And the minute we got off the show, I wasn't mad, and I wasn't, you know. But it, so like that moment was completely genuine because, as we all know, I can't act. I can't act for, for shit. <laughs> Boy, so, that's true. Yeah. Listen to the promos for that. Yeah, you know it's shit. No, I completely can't. Not everybody can be good at everything. So, um, so I, you know, I wasn't faking. I really was mad at Shag in that moment, but it wasn't anything that lasted. But that really wasn't. That really wasn't remark. That was the furthest end of the curve that we've ever had in terms of not getting along. Cause it was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> it cracks me up. And, and, and it's and, fair and to the, say and that. The, this fact is... that the fact that the argument went over the most obscure goddamn piece of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to resurface it cause I still have strong feelings, yeah. but anyway, I, uh, and you're right. This is a performance. I mean, we're here to hopefully entertain you guys. Now, it doesn't mean it's a fiction, but it's, you know, we're here to have fun. We're like, you know, I, I kind of view it as radio DJs. It's, it yeah. should be entertaining. It shouldn't be boring. You know, right. I don't want to, this is, this is not just a recorded phone call. You know, right. it has to be some level of presentation to it. Otherwise it's not fun to listen to, at least yeah, and, for me. And off air phone calls with Rob is mostly just him in tears. So, I mean, that believe me, you'd much rather have this. As, yeah. The, 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 the conversations I have, with Shag uh, uh, off the air about uh, how miserable part of my life is, is is no fun to listen to. Nobody wants to hear that, especially when you want to, if you want to stick an in stock trades out in the middle of it. <laughs> God, it's horrible. All right, let's see what's up next. Uh, when do you think the next network meetup will be? Uh, so we don't know. I mean, it's going to be 2018. We know that much. Uh, we are all over the board with different conventions uh, that we're considering. Uh, you asked if we would do it outside of a convention. Maybe uh, I'm thinking maybe Super Bowl or something because because you know, big party and we don't know anything. Sure. About football. It's it's the sports. Um, yeah, we'd fit in really well there. <laughs> but it, it it will more than likely be a combo convention, and we we've been all over the board with what we've thought about. I mean, there's been several on the East Coast, several on the West Coast. Uh, I, I I it's too early to tell. I think we're going to try and make a decision in the winter uh, for 2018 and give everyone an ample amount of time. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to happen in 2018. I can't live without it. Are you kidding me? No way. Yeah, I think uh, the way Shag and I talked about it was we'll, we'll compile, like a, like, a general list of, like, maybe three or four shows that are, like, on the maybe list and then run it by everybody and see if we can get a consensus. Because that's kind of how HeroesCon worked out is that Shag mentioned it, I think, or somebody mentioned it first. I, and I mean, it's, actually, it was more of a dictatorship. I decided I was going. Okay. And invited people to come hang out with me. Okay. <laughs> then it, and then it built up from there. Like, I normally would never have gone just because of the, the money and the time and everything else. But as people just kept saying yes, I was like, well, I can't pass this up. This is going to be, you know, maybe my only chance to meet the Franklins. Hopefully not. Uh, it will be my only chance to meet Ryan. I know I'm not going to let that happen again. So it was just like, you know, and then <laughs> there's uh, <laughs> Luke Dobb and everybody. You know, it was just like this whole big Michelle Fife and all, the, all these people were going to be there. And so that's why I was like, I can't pass this up. So we'll have to see. Um, there is, like, I've mentioned, like, there's the San Francisco Comic-Con. But, like, I want to go just because I love San Francisco. And, like, going to a Comic-Con at San Francisco would be super cool. And we'd get to meet Zoom and stuff like that. That would be really cool. But we hopefully we can come to some general consensus that that as many people as possible will be, will be pleased about. 
See, and, and like I'm like I, I keep looking at like Boston and Baltimore and like, ooh, that looks really good, you know, that kind of thing. And meet Ange and and I figure if we if we start a Kickstarter, we might even be able to get uh, Cisco in the country. I don't know. Although as Rob and I found out, converting English, uh, I'm sorry, Canadian money or, or American money to Canadian is a real pain in the ass. So I don't know if that's actually going to work out or not. <laughs> All um, right. I think that's it, right? Did we yep, that's Gene it. all of 19 Gene's questions? Okay. Th- thank you so much, Gene. Next we heard from DC Dave. He says, uh, what is those... Oh, okay. <laughs> Reading's fundamental, folks. He says, what are those two, uh, one or two topics that we shouldn't hold our breath for, waiting for them to appear as either an individual episode or podcast? For example, kids, don't hold your... Br- um, kids, don't hold out hope for a review of Crisis. It ain't happening. Well, DC Dave, I'll tell you. Kids, don't hold your breath uh, for a review of Crisis. It ain't happening. I'll tell you why in a minute. Anyway, he says, what other podcast topics would you like to add to the network? What non-comic book podcasts do you listen to? And what podcasts are you not doing but would love to do if you had the time, resources, and expertise? For example, Shag, I know you love Radio Free Scarrow. Let's say one of the hosts quit and they asked you to do it. Are there any other topics that just aren't an expert on or you just don't have the time for that you could do? And then he says, I'm a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, and I always love hearing about podcast setups. What sort of podcast setup do each of you do? Now, you don't have to go into detail about microphone brands, but I just wondered what the general setup is for your podcast and how you record. Oof. All right, Rob, you want to take the first one about um, what kind of shows are they never going to hear? Uh, well, people have talked about asking me to do the rev- a review of the Peter David Aquaman. I, flat out, I ain't doing it. I'm not going to do it because I don't like it. I've tried to like it. It, it. I don't like it. And I know there are people like yourself who do like it. And so having me just kind of crap on it, is not going to be fun for anybody because the people that do like it are not going to want to hear me be negative and it's not going to be any fun for me because I want to remain positive. So I think I am going to just veto doing Peter David Aquaman. It does not mean Shag can't do it with a guest or multiple Absolutely. guests um, because it is a big chunk of the character's history. And it might be kind of fun to hear an episode of the Fire and Water done about Aquaman that I'm not involved in. Uh, but I just don't, I just don't want to subject myself or the listeners to that because that, that is just not a lot of fun. So that, to me, is going to be the, the number one topic. Um, as far as the, you, you joked about not doing Crisis, well, we're not going to do Crisis. And the reason why we, – we thought about doing it years ago. But the reason why is that Michael Bailey and Scott Gardner started a podcast covering Crisis, and they did an amazing job. I mean I just I can't imagine anyone topping it. They only got through I think the first four or five episodes. Who knows? Maybe someday they'll come back to it. I'd love to leave that door open for them um, because I want to hear it. And I know I, after listening to them, I can't do that justice, what they did. And they were doing Crisis, the proper treatment. It was glorious, all, all the references and everything they were doing. So. Um, Next part, non-comic, non-network pod. Well, they didn't say non-network. I, I said non-network. So, Rob, are there any non-comic or and specifically non-network podcasts that you listen to? Because I don't think it's fair to mention like Pod Dylan and all the other ones that we do on our network. Yeah, I have dozens of podcasts I listen to. Um, you know, so there's a lot of ones on politics that I listen to. There is, I love the movie by minute shows. Like, of course, I do because Chris and I are going to be doing one. But like, there's the Thing Minute. There is uh, there was Star Wars Minute, which is currently on hiatus because they're in between movies. There's Star Trek Minute. There's the Godfather Minute. There's Aliens Minute. Like if it's a movie I really love, and then when somebody's breaking it down minute by minute, I really like those. I love uh, Mike Gillis and Casey Doran's uh, Radio Free Martians. That's always really fun. Uh, Zaki mm. Zaki Hassan and Brian Hall do the movie film podcast. I 
the, the number one compliment I can pay a, a podcast is, is it a show I like to listen to when I run? Um, there are some shows that just move at such a kind of glacial pace that doesn't mean they're bad, but I can't listen to them when I go run. But there are some shows that are just like, I literally will save them for a run because I know they're so entertaining. And like, um, the thing, the, the Aliens Minute is one of those, and um, uh, Zachy Sancho, I just mentioned, Movie Film Podcast is another one of those. So it's like, if I, 80s all over, where they do, they review all the 80s movies one month at a time, that's another one. So that's a show, uh, Slash Filmcast, another one that I really like. So it's like, if a new episode, da- new episode pops out in the middle of the afternoon, I don't listen to it. I save it for the next morning when I can run to it. So that's, that's a big thing. That's awesome. Um, I used to drive 40 minutes to work each way. Um, when, when we first started podcasting, my old job. So I had lots of time to listen to podcasts. Now I work from home. My commute is from the bed to my office. It's about, I don't know, 56 steps. So I don't have a lot of time for podcasts anymore. I do listen to a lot. So usually I sort of bank them all and I do them while I'm like mowing the grass or, you know, if I'm making a run to the grocery store or something like that. So, um, I'm going to shotgun a bunch of titles here and, and, just know this is not all the podcasts that I listen to. I jot down, jotted down ones I thought of. So if, if you are a podcast producer and you don't hear your name in this list, don't be offended, please. Uh, keep in mind, these are non-comic books. So if you do a comic book podcast, of course you're not in this list. Uh, non-comic book, non-stuff from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. So uh, real quickly, uh, Creative Spirit with Luke Dobb. We're talking about art. I love that one. Uh, Palace of Glittering Delights by our buddy um, Andy Leyland. Love that show. Uh, Is It Jaws, another movie show by our our buddy Paul. Um, Keep Them Flying, a Firefly podcast, another one off the Two True Freaks Network. Podcast of La Vista by our buddy Mike Gillis where they're covering Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Uh, Just a quick aside for that podcast. I thought I would have no interest in that podcast. I even told Mike. I'm like, yeah, it's not really my bag. And then I listened to them and their enthusiasm. Holy crap, they sold me. Just try the first episode and you'll be like, yeah. Hell yeah, I'm going to listen to this show. Um, Literary Treks, which is one I've just found in the last couple of months. I'm in love with this podcast because I'm – with Star Trek, kind of my favorite area of Star Trek is actually the books. I read a ton of Star Trek books growing up. I still read a lot of Star Trek books, and this podcast is dedicated to Star Trek books. So I'm really enjoying that. Um, Engage, which is the official Paramount uh, Star Trek podcast. It took me a while to sort of warm up to it, but I kind of dig it because you get a lot of new information, which is good. Straight out of Gallifrey, which is our buddy Ashford does a Doctor Who podcast. Really interesting perspective on Doctor Who. Doctor Who panel to panel where they cover Doctor Who comics and comic strips, which has always been a passion of mine. Uh, Doctor Who book club, which also covers that one's uh, ended now, but I still go back and listen to old episodes. And they uh, they cover Doctor Who novels, which is a huge thing for me. I've read hundreds of Doctor Who books. Absolutely love it. Big Finish does their own podcast. Anyway, numbers, a large number of podcasts I listen to. Usually they fall into the area of one of the niches. I mean, comics, Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, rinse, repeat is kind of my life. So um, those, those are just some of the ones to think of. All right. So, Rob, what podcast are you not doing but you would love to? And I'm going to combine some of what DC Dave was saying here. Like, you know, what podcast would you love to do uh, if you had the time and resources or do you not consider you're an expert on, things like that? What would you say, Rob? Uh, well, the, there's a bunch of ones I would love to do. I still want to do a MASH podcast, like a, an episode-by-episode episode one. I just don't have the time to do it or even do it right. But I would love to do it. That is really the last big piece of fandom that I have not done a show about. Like, I have comic book podcasts, and I have my Bob Dylan podcast, and I have my movie podcast. Uh, the the MASH thing is, like, the last piece of, of fan thing that I can just talk endlessly, extemporaneously about. I don't need notes. I know it all in my head. 
I would love to do a show like that. Just don't have the time. I was hoping to hit one to get it done for this for next month because next month is the 45th anniversary of the debut of the show, but it just isn't happening. So that that's that's one thing I wish I had time to do. I would love to do a podcast about the black and white uh, comic book magazine format. I love all that stuff, the Warrens, the Marvels, the, all that stuff. I love that. I, like, much like we do Digest Cast and I do Treasury Cast, I, that's another whole format I'm a giant, giant fan of. And I would love to do a black and white magazine podcast. But, A, I just don't have time, and I'm not an expert, um, like you folding in your, his other question. Um, I just don't know enough about them. I haven't read every one of them to really be able to speak so conversantly as much as I would like to. So that's that's something else I would uh, I would enjoy doing. And those are really the two big ones. I mean, there's there's a bunch of shorter things. Like, I would love to do – I would love to find, like, a run of a book that I love and just talk about it. And I guess I could do that, but I just haven't had the time. Like, um, I've mentioned on the show previously those issues of Tomahawk, where it was turned into Son mm. of Tomahawk. Those are all great comics. Those are Neil Adams covers, Frank Thorne interiors. There are they are beautiful comics. Some Somerset Holmes, this great uh, film noir miniseries from the '60s. I would love not '60s. I'm sorry, the '80s. I would love to talk about Scott McCloud Zot, one of my favorite independent comics of all time. Zot number thirty-three, one of the greatest comic books ever done. I, yeah. I will absolutely put a line down in the sand about that. I would love to talk about that comic because that's a really underrated book. So. Uh, but I could do any of those because those would be fold, folded in quite well to FW Presents. But in terms of the big two, I would really probably say MASH and like a black and white magazine book. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right. That's awesome, Rob. Um, for me, a couple podcasts that I feel like I'm a bit of an expert in. One would be Blue Devil. I absolutely love that character and his series so much. Uh, a couple years ago, our buddies Justin Barlow and David Sopko did a series on that. Uh, unfortunately, David passed away uh, during the you know the early era of that series, so it just sort of faded. So I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's not my place to start up a Blue Devil podcast right now. And I don't, honestly, I don't have the time anyway. But uh, I would love to do a dive into maybe, I don't know, the first year and the annual of that show, of that comic. I just love it so much. It's so much fun, especially like the Paris Collins issues. The art is just amazing. Um, let's see what else. Uh, other stuff I feel like I'm a bit of an expert in. Doctor Who. Okay, I'll just put it out there, folks. Yes, there will be a Doctor Who podcast on the Fire and Water Podcast Network at some point. It's a ways away. A year away, two years away. I don't know what the right answer is, folks. It is a ways away, but it's going to happen. And there's multiple people on the network that are interested in being part of that show. We want to figure out how we want to do it, and uh, it will happen. And uh, clearly, I'm very excited about doing it, but again, I just don't have the time right now either. Other properties that I don't feel like I'm necessarily an expert in, but I feel like I'm knowledgeable enough, and I definitely have a passion would be, I would love to do Micronauts. Uh, I love my Rob gave me a chance to talk about Micronauts not too long ago. Made me so happy. Um, Alpha Flight, uh, and I will tell you that uh, at some point I am going to do an FW presents about Micronauts and an FW presents about Alpha Flight. Don't know when that's going to happen. I really want to do, and I'm not kidding, uh, an episode of FW presents on Misfits of Science. I, I, I love that show, especially the pilot. The pilot alone is just so much freaking fun. It's so stupid and crazy. And then finally, uh, something else I'm working on. And, and, you know, amongst the podcasting circle, sometimes we call a topic. You know, we pick dibs on something. So I'm putting it out there now, folks. I'm taking dibs on a show within the next year or so on V. The original miniseries, the final battle, the series, the books. I'm going to do a one episode where I'm going to talk in depth about V. So, I can't wait for that. Really looking forward to that. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. 
So podcast setup, uh, I'll go through mine, Rob. I don't know how specific you want to get. I mean, yours is just tin can and string, I think, with your Mac. But um, I have someone transcribing this live. <laughs> we're talking over Skype right now, and I have something called an MP3 Skype recorder. Uh, Rob is on his fourth piece of failed software, I think, to record the podcast. I think I may have. I think I may have found a fix. Okay. Well, live on the air. We'll, 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 we'll know later on. Interesting. Okay. Uh, as far as technology-wise, and I know you said you don't have to talk about the microphone, but I'm going to actually. I am using an old-school Logitech headset that I bought probably 15 years ago. I mean, this is the kind that's even got like the, the earphone jack and microphone plug. It's not even USB. And I love it because the, it's a great headset. It's done good for me all these years. The cord is extremely long. And here's a little uh, inside baseball for you. I stand up while I podcast. Uh, I pace. I move around. So those awesome like snowball mics that people get, I can't use that because I can't stand in one place. Part of it is all the cocaine I do before we record. Uh, another is the Diet Mountain Dew. And the other is if I sit down, I will actually fall asleep. That has um, happened, ladies and gentlemen. That has happened <laughs> while him and I are recording. There's actually evidence of it on a True True Freaks podcast. I did um, one of my favorite movies. I love it. One of my favorite Star Trek movies. That is, it was a First Contact. I did it with Chris Honeywell, and Chris went on this really great rant about something, and I freaking dozed off because it was so hot in my office. It was like 80, 85 degrees in my office. It was late at night. I was sitting in a chair that's very comfy, and you can actually hear me on the podcast because Chris goes, "What do you think, Shag?" And you can hear. <laughs> it's so bad. So I stand up. What about you, Rob? What do you use? Uh, yeah, I use a Logitech, microf- Logitech microphone. Uh, I did try and upgrade. I bought another one that was a headset one. was all in one piece. And then I used it for one or two recordings. And it, I, it gave me like a real tinny sound. And I didn't like it. So I went back to the Logitech. But I do need to upgrade it at some point. Uh, I use several different programs. I do use Skype Recorder. I converted into a program called Wiretap, which is probably something I should upgrade or get rid of at this point. But I've been comfortable using it. It's very easy to edit. I then export that into iTunes. I'm starting to GarageBand. I put the whole show together with songs and everything else and all the, the, all the show notes. Export it into uh, Apple, into iTunes, and then it gives me a file. We upload it, and there we go. And that's We're, we're, we're in business. Oh, I forgot. My editing, I use uh, Audacity, a uh, free program, which is fantastic. Uh, and then I, and I use Levelator quite often, too, which is a free program. It's older. It's, it's not as great as I would love, but it balances it, the volume of everyone's voices out really nicely. All right. Uh, next, we have a question from uh, Chris Lewis. He says, speaking of podcasting, was FNW your first podcast? What software do you use to edit the show? We already just went into that, Chris. How long does it take you to edit a typical show? Newest podcaster here, so keen to pick up any tips from you guys. Speaking of Doctor Who, Shag's love for Doctor Who is well documented, but what's Rob's exposure to the show? Any favorite, <laughs> story? Yeah. Any favorite stories? As a British guy of a certain age, Doctor Who is all but encoded in my DNA. One of my first memories of watching is watching Pyramids of Mars. I would have been four years old. Great show. <sighs> Great show. Happy 200th birthday. You don't look a day over 198. <laughs> uh, I will go, yes, FNW was my first podcast. Now, right not too long after I started with Shag, I actually started doing a separate MASH podcast where I literally did audio commentaries for every episode. Um, and that show is the only show I've ever done that I that, that I let pod fade because uh, I, I just grew dissatisfied with how it came out. And not to uh, I don't want to I don't want to use this as an excuse because it's not an excuse, but it is a reason. 
and that uh, one of my frequent guests on the show was a guy named Eric, great guy named Eric, who loved MASH like I did. He came on to do several episodes with me, and we had a really great rapport, and we had talked briefly about him maybe doing the show with me permanently, and then he passed away. Oh. And uh, died very young, very, very young. And I, I will admit, my enthusiasm for the show just went out the window at that point. I did some more after him, but I really just grew like, uh, I don't even want to do this anymore. So the show exists. It's still on iTunes. I did like the first five seasons. Uh, and people once in a while have asked me, are you ever going to bring it back? No, I'm never going to bring it back because it's, it's just something that just, just died out. So... Um, but, so, but, but yes, to answer your question, yes, F&W was technically my first podcast. In terms of how long it takes me to edit a show, that really depends. Um, Shag and I have gotten into a good rhythm where if one of us makes a mistake, which is, is Shag, uh, he knows to... <laughs> a couple times tonight already. <laughs> yeah. What he, what he does is he knows to just become, if he makes a mistake and he starts over, to just be quiet for like four beats and it's that really was, hard for me to be quiet. Yeah, too. I know that. And then when I'm looking at the file, um, I know, oh, you know, I can look at the, the, the little wave file and see, oh, there's a flat line there. That's a mistake. i got to go in and check that out. But, like, as we're recording, as Shag and I are doing this, I'm making notes if there's anything that has to come out. And so if somebody says something really dumb, again, Shag, I will write a little <laughs> note where I write, like, 1503. And that's a reminder to go in and check the file at 15 to 3. But basically, when I record a show, when we record a show, if as we're recording it, I don't hear anything live that I feel needs to come out, I don't go back and check it. Because I'm like, ah, it was fine the way it was. I don't feel the need to remove every um and er or whatever. Some things, you know, if it's really egregious, again, Shag, I will do that. But for the most part, I try and do it as – we try to retain the, the liveness of this as much as possible. But but Shag is really good at that is that when he does start over on something, he just he just becomes quiet. And then I know there's a visual cue for me to, oh, i got to go in there and edit that out. It makes it very easy. Uh, for me, I'm now basically that's part of the reason Rob can get so many podcasts out. He just slaps the music on the front, and the end, and he's done. Um, I dig in deep. I take out well, I don't take every um, but I take out as many ums and th- you know audio bridges that I can that are unnecessary. I take out all kinds of gaps and pauses and, and cuts pieces that I just think aren't building to the show. So the JLI show, I spend way too much time editing. So uh, for me right now, uh, the the average time for me is to edit 15 minutes of audio. It takes me an hour. And well, you say that, but there's a, a couple different Facebook groups or chat areas where we talk with other podcasters. And we asked, and, and actually that was a topic of discussion recently where we all were like, hey, how long do you spend editing? And actually 15 to 20 minutes for an hour audio was pretty average. I mean, it seems like most people were sort of at that level. Now, one thing I agreed with about Paul uh, from Two True Freaks was that, Paul Spataro, is that as I work on a show, like the first hour, Let's say it's a two-hour show. The first hour takes me more time to edit than the second hour. I don't know whether it's we just get into a groove and things go smoothly or I'm just tired of freaking editing. I don't know. But the second hour usually gets edited a lot quicker. All right. Here you go, Chris. Well, Rob, we've been at this a little while. Well, he uh, won't wait be- Hold on. We're not done yet. We've got to ask him. He wants to know about Doctor Who. Oh, right. Amazing. You wanted to skip over Doctor Who. Uh, I've talked about Doctor Who a little bit. I have tried to get into it. And I watched a bunch of episodes, the Matt Smith ones with Karen Gillan, because Karen Gillan. That's good. Thank you. I'm glad you said it, because I knew that's why you watched it. I'm like, well, if I had to, well, no, 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 wait, hold on. 
I actually did want to try and watch Doctor Who because it is a piece of nerd fandom that I am completely unaware of. And I was like, I know there's 50 years of it, and I know, and I, I kind of like that. I like that if you're into something, you can really do a deep dive. You know what I mean? Like, that, that mm-hmm. appeals to me. I like shows that have, you know, I love MASH, and there's 250 MASHs to watch. I love Bob Dylan. There's 45 albums to listen to. I don't, I'm not as big a fan of when there's, like, three things. You know what I mean? It's like being a fan of Jimi Hendrix. Three albums, and you're done. Um, so I like the idea that if I could get into Doctor Who, I could really immerse myself in Doctor Who. So I just picked an era and I was like, well, why not start with one I know that was popular, which was Matt Smith and start with one that has Karen Gillan in it because I, I like looking at Karen Gillan. So <laughs> I watched it and I liked it just fine but not enough for me to watch it out of anything other than just, well, I guess I could keep watching it. I had no motivation to keep watching it. It wasn't how bad. Far did, how far did you get? I think I watched about five episodes and I just... I, it, I had no motivation to keep watching. Again, it wasn't bad. I just, I, w- I would be watching it out of obligation because I was like, well, I guess I should watch it. And I'm like, life's too short. I just have too many other things in my time to watch something out of obligation. So uh, I gave up after that and I haven't really gone back. That's a shame because that, that season actually builds a really nice arc. Uh, and it, it takes 13 episodes to tell the whole story, but uh, it's the story of uh, sort of the fairy tale of Amy Pond, and it's a wonderful, and it's a, it's a great, it's one of my favorite seasons, actually, as a whole. Really enjoy it. But I, And episode five would have been, you probably would have bailed around the time they went to the Silurians, which were the lizards underground, which is kind of understandable. Those I two saw episodes. the Weeping Angels one. I, I, like I said, I don't, want to, I don't want to be mean about it, because I, I, I thought it was just fine. There was, no, there was nothing I could point to where I was like, that was actively bad. But it just, I don't know, there was just something about it that just left me kind of just like, oh, okay, that was that was fine. Now, when you say you saw the Weeping Angels one, was that, you mean the one with Matt Smith or the one with David Tennant? Matt Smith. Okay. I will ask you to watch one more episode for me. Maybe okay. it's like a birthday present because like my birthday's coming up. Um, no, and not, that, not that I got me, you anything. Yeah, he didn't get me anything, guys. Just saying. I've done it in other years. I've been good about it. Anyway, um, David Tennant episode third season called blink it's the first one with the weeping angels and put every other weeping angel story to shame it's one of the single greatest hours of television as far as suspense and mystery it's phenomenal okay and i have seen one of the doctor who movies one of the ones with peter cushing oh no way really doctor who and the daleks yes Oh my gosh, uh, that'd be a, that'd be a fun film of water. Um, <laughs> all right, and, and man, uh, Chris getting a chance to watch Pyramids of Mars as four years old—that's just like incredible. Oh, he's—I bet he's behind the sofa the whole time, which is where you should watch Doctor Who. All right, folks. Well, I think we've been talking for quite a while, so we're going to take a quick podcast promo break. We're going to hear a couple commercials for some of the folks uh, new to our network, and when we come back, we're going to finish up your feedback. Ah. Uh. After a long day of criminal activity, there's nothing I like better than to sit down and listen to the old radio. Wait a minute, that's not a radio, it's... Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Plastic Man! That's right, it's the Plasticast, a brand new podcast dedicated to Plastic Man. I'm your host, Max Romero. Together, we'll be talking about Plastic Man in the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and every other age you can think of, right up to his upcoming reappearance in DC Rebirth. We'll also be talking about any Plastic Man news that might be coming up, and his appearances in every media from comics to cartoons. Whew. Makes me woozy just to think about it. 
I hope you'll join me to talk about the longest arm of the law here on the Plasticast, here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Coming to media players everywhere in 2017 from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beginning with the origin of his comic book fandom and ending with the destruction of the universe. Professor Zoom Yukinori leads a monthly expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. While promising unique celebrity guest perspectives in an ambitious attempt to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Thrill to the imagination. Bask in the brilliance. Experience the wonder of... The Done in One Wonders Podcast Wonder Show. Discover how compressed storytelling can broaden one's mind. Listen for it wherever Fire and Water Podcast Network podcasts are networking. This is Craig Hamilton, and you're listening to the Fire and Water Podcast. And we're back, folks. All right, this is great. We're doing your, uh, was it A-M... Well, it's A-U-A, Ask Us Anything. It's normally okay. A-M-A, but it's, since there's two of us, it's Ask You A-U-A. Perfect. All right. Our next question comes from Paco. He says, I have a couple of questions for your, oh, it's right here, AMA episode. That would have been easy, huh? Uh, the first question, I'm still kind of new to Aquaman comics. I believe you guys have mentioned there have been seven or eight runs of Aquaman. Rob has repeatedly mentioned the search for Mera as his favorite. I was wondering if there are any other arcs or single issues that you would recommend from each of Aquaman's runs. Uh, like if you're making your own anniversary omnibus with one sample from each era of Aquaman, what would you include? I have a second question specifically for Shag. If Firestorm were to face off against a Doctor Who villain, which one would you want to see him go up against uh, your favorite hothead? Congratulations on 200 shows. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Rob, why don't you do the Aquaman question, and then I'll kind of throw in a couple more, because i got, I got a couple thoughts. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, the Search for Mirror arc, as he mentions here, the adventure run, again, as I mentioned, in the mid-'70s, the four issues that J.M. DeMatteis wrote in Adventures 475 through 478 are really good. The Neil Posner, Craig Hamilton, Craig Hamilton miniseries, which has still never been reprinted, that is fantastic. The Sub Diego storyline, which we've already mentioned. Um, I actually really kind of like sort of Atlantis as a sort of alternate Aquaman. I really mm-hmm. sort of like that. That has grown on me. I didn't like it when I first read it, but I, as I reread it over time, I'm like, this is actually pretty cool. I, and, I got a quick, I got a quick story about that. Just to interrupt. Okay. I, and, I when I read the first time I read it, um, I was like, like it's like, ugh, I can't believe it. Second time I read it, I was like, oh, it's sword and sorcery. I totally get it. And I tweeted that out. I'm like, oh. Yeah, sort of Atlantis. I get it now. And Kurt Busiak actually responded because glad you caught it the second time around. Wish you caught it the first time. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Ouch. <laughs> uh, and also, of course, I really like the Ivan Reese, Joe Prado, Jeff Johns run because that really brought Aquaman back to prominence. So, and then I would probably pick some random issues of JLA where he got a lot to do, which weren't there weren't too many of those, but the, the, that was some of my favorite things, and probably even some Super Friends. Uh, there's a great issue of Super Friends where they go back to Atlantis, and it's drawn by Ramona Fraden, uh, which is great. And um, 
if I want to go way, way back, there were some of the stuff that uh, appeared in Adventure Comics in the 50s, which I profiled on the Aquaman Shrine. Um, there was some really, really great stuff there. Um, I don't know if that stuff's ever going to get reprinted. They are working on some sort of giant hardcover Aquaman book that's really? supposedly coming out. Yeah. Oh, um, the 75-year one. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, different one. No, no, something oh. else that's going to reprint some of the older stories as far as I know. <gasps> yeah, which would be really cool because there's some really great... There is an Aquaman artist that, that preceded Ramona Freight named John Daly who nobody knows because everyone seems to think he, that was a pseudonym that he used. And he was a terrific artist. He drew the strip for a couple of years. That stuff is great looking. Again, you can go to the Aquaman Shrine and look up um, Golden Age Aquaman and you can look at the tab there, and you can see all the issues he did for in Adventure Comics, and so that stuff's really cool too. So there's there's a lot of good stuff. That's awesome. I, I picked out a couple myself, even though that part of the question is not for me. Uh, Death of the Prince is uh, there's some good stuff in there, and it's not one issue; it's a it's a combination right, that's of those. the '70s Aquaman run, yeah, which yeah. which have been reprinted. Um, the I, again, props for the Legend of Aquaman issue, sing, uh, one-off, uh, one-shot. I like Atlantis Chronicles would be great, getting some of that in there. Uh, Time and Tide. Uh, with also some of the first issues by Peter David of the, of the ongoing Sub Diego you mentioned, uh, Jeff Johns early stuff I also said yeah so, so those are all great great picks yep I'm glad you mentioned Atlantis Chronicles because that's an uh, Peter David Aquaman I really like now it's not Aquaman because he's not in it but that's yeah. I actually genuinely love that miniseries it's it's beautiful to look at it's huge it's epic it's Game of Thrones underwater I yep. mean it's just so good it's terrific. so good. It's terrific. Uh, as far as uh, what what firestorm, uh, what foe would I like? To, Doctor Who foe would I like to see firestorm go up against? Well, the, the problem is your obvious ones are your Dalek and your Cybermen, but firestorm would take them out like that. I mean, they're made of metal. You know, now they're Jello, no problem. Um, so it's kind of hard because his powers are so off the charts. So I was trying to think, okay, what Doctor Who character has powers that are off the chart? And I came to Sutek. So, which is, oddly enough, we mentioned Pyramids of Mars earlier. So, Sutek from Pyramids of Mars would be pretty interesting to see him go up against a really, really big-time magical one. Uh, if I had to pick, like, a race, an army of people, eh, maybe the Centaurans. Uh, and someone else will love that comment that's got a, got a comment coming up. Or, or maybe the Sea Devils, both because they're both organic, so he wouldn't be able to zap them as easy and would be an interesting army fight. But, yeah, that's my pick. All right. Very cool. Um, we have a question from uh, Boston Moss. He says, how do you guys find the time to do these podcasts? I barely have time to keep up with listening to them, yet you guys are giving us such great content on a regular basis. Well, thank you, Boston. Shag, do you want to take that? Well, I think we've already addressed it. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's 1030 at night is how we do it. <laughs> we, we sacrifice sleep for it. And uh, we, you, Rob and I only record once a week. Rob's recording every night, night though, because he's got like 15 podcasts he's doing. Uh, and Rob is really the slave driver that keeps it going. So, and I mean that with love in my heart. <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of my, my, my schedule, I mean, I devote a good chunk of my weekend to getting recording done. I try, and, I try and just record one night a week because we stay up so late, and it does make me quite tired to go in the next day. So I don't do that to myself more than one night a week. There was, a, there was one week a couple of months ago where I did three weeknight podcasts in a row, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And by the time I got to Thursday, I wanted to die. I was so exhausted and just tired of talking. And I was really dreading it. And I remember I told Tracy, I was like, never. I'm never doing this again. And it was my own fault. It was just like, you know, I made an offer to three different sets of people and figuring, you know, somebody, one out of the three will say yes. And then every, all three people said yes. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, all right, let me just let me just muscle through and do it. And by the time I got to Thursday, it was awful. But I said certain and, parameters. And that's how you get the Batman versus Superman episode. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, you make a shitty movie is how you get the Batman versus Superman episode. Um, and, but, but, I mean, I also set parameters. Like, like I do not record Friday nights, Saturday nights, or mm. Sunday nights. Those are – Friday nights, Saturday nights are – my time with Tracy, that's like that's our time. We can go do whatever we want, and I'm never going to schedule a recording under unless extremely rare circumstances. And Sunday night, I don't record because it's the night before the beginning of the work week, and I don't want to go to work, and I'm in a not great mood Sunday night, really, I'll be honest. And the last thing I want to do is stay up late on a Sunday night and record a podcast. So those, like those three nights I just block out as like, I do not record. Um, so that helps keep the schedule. It's like, okay, there's certain times I do it, and if I can do it, that's great. Um, so, and and part of it again is just the motivation, like like the Pod Dylan. I'll be specific. Like that show was supposed to be occasional, and it has grown into almost like a biweekly show. And that is partly because I get a ton, relatively, of email from people who are Bob Dylan fans, and they love the show, and they're happy that there is a Dylan show, and they are like, if you ever would be, you know, want to have me on, I would love to talk about, and I've met, like, probably a dozen new Dylan fans because of that show, and so every time I think about, oh, I could give myself a break and not record one, I get another email. There's one point where I got, no, no lie, five emails from five different people in two days <laughs> to come on the show, and so, you know, that helps me be motivated to kind of go and get it done is because I know people really enjoy it. So that's, that's, you know, you have to make the time now, for you comic nerds at home, scratching your head going, I just don't get the Bob Dylan thing. It's one of our most downloaded shows. Actually guys, it's super popular. Uh, the Bob Dylan fans are strong. They are mighty and they should not be mocked. Well, yeah, there's no, I'm sure there's very little overlap between the rest right. of the shows and the Pod Dylan show, but I mean, that's, you know, I was like, why not? Here's, I got a network. Why not have it on there? And, and because I do, I do, it gets posted on a Dylan fan site. Um, so, and you know, it's funny just the other day, um, there's a new book about Bob Dylan coming out and the publisher tweeted out about it and they tagged me in the tweet. Oh, that's awesome. Which I'm like, wow, I'm, I didn't know I was even on that level of like their radar. You know, so that was real. That was like felt like I'd achieved something that the like Pod Dylan actually got tagged in this. And it's by an author who I respect very much. He's written other Dylan books that I've read dozens of times. So that was really exciting. That's cool. Congratulations, buddy. Mm. Thank you. All right. Uh, up next, and I don't remember if it's my turn or your turn, but I'm just going to go. It's your turn. It's from, it's from our buddy Alexander Adrock, who my just started the Flintstones card character. He is. He's great. I, he, he's in the background every episode. Uh, he just started the Return to Sunnydale podcast. So that's awesome. Buffy. He goes, where – he's got a, a few questions here for us. I'll read them all. Where is your favorite place to read comics? What is it about comics that gives you joy currently? It can be current series, beloved favorites, particular creators, or any reason that keeps you reading these funny books over the years. And his secondary question is, what is your favorite genre of comics other than superhero? And uh, he, he did. He did put on Twitter. He said, "For the 200th episode of Fire and Water Podcast, I hope they address their contribution in taking Slipknot from a running joke to a global running joke." You're welcome, everyone. We that is our gift to you. <laughs> uh, that guy with ropes can climb anything, Rob. <laughs> oh, I can't believe they did that. All right, Rob. So, what are you? What 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 is it about comics that is currently giving you joy? New stuff, old stuff, whatever. Oh. 
Not a lot. Um, I haven't been reading much new lately, and that partly is because I mentioned I don't have an LCS anymore. Um, there is a new store opening up not that far away from here at the end of uh, September, and I'm hoping that that is going to be a cool store, and I'm going to give them a try. Um, so I have not been reading much of anything really lately. I, re I tend to read old stuff or... Um, like I pick up books about comics. Like I picked up that Swamp Men book, which is about all the different muck monsters. That's done by Tomorrow, so I read that. And I read Back Issue and stuff like that. So I tend to read more about comics than I really read comics. But I would love to go back and, you know, find some stuff. I, I just don't – I just haven't had the time and the money. And like I said, the, there, there really are no stores around here, so I can't browse anymore. But I would like to go back to try and, and do that just to find neat stuff because I know there's there's so much stuff out there. It's amazing, you know. So I would like to try and – I've been out of it for a while, but I would like to try and dip back in. And so hopefully if I can find this new store, maybe I'll have the chance to do that. Awesome. Um, I, I'm still reading quite a few comics, but they're not necessarily new. Uh, Marvel Unlimited is like totally just stuck a needle right in my arm uh, like a junkie. And I, I love Marvel Unlimited so much. Um, screw you, DC, for not having yours up and running yet, but whatever. Uh, I, like, I just finished reading the 1990s Clone Saga. Uh, you know, th that all this stuff with Ben Riley. that, yes, it was ridiculous and, ex and extreme, but I loved every friggin' panel of it. It was so much fun. Uh, as far as current stuff goes, I'm actually reading some Spider-Man right now. I'm reading The Clone Conspiracy on Marvel Unlimited. It's like any other Spider-Man stuff I read recently. It's like a popcorn flick. I read it. I enjoy the high action of it and don't remember anything about it when I'm done reading it. But it's, it's just a fun throwaway thing. As far as ongoings that I'm enjoying, and I do remember, um, Marvel's got a series called Champions right now. It's sort of a uh, Young Justice kind of book. It's got like... Um, it's got the new Nova, who's a kid. It's got a kid Cyclops. It's got uh, the new Miss Marvel, who's a kid. So it's got teenagers hanging out. And it's a lot of fun. It's written by Mark Wade, so you know it's good. Uh, really enjoying that. On the DC side, of the rebirth, I'm reading a good handful of Rebirth titles. I also have some Rebirth titles I'm buying and are stacking up, which is making me wonder if I should continue reading them, even though they're good. Obviously, I don't care. Uh, but two that I do read uh, as they come out that I'm loving is Teen Titans and Super Sons. Which the odd thing, the thing that links both of those is Damian Wayne as Robin, who I detest as Robin. I like, I want Tim Drake back so bad I, I could taste it. But damn, these two books, I enjoy reading about Damian. Not that I like him, but I enjoy reading about him in these books. So Teen Titans and Super Sons are both super fun. I'm also reading uh, several Doctor Who series from Titan Comics. I'm really enjoying the heck out of those. They do a phenomenal job of Doctor Who comics. So, And then as your second question, what's my favorite genre of comics outside of superheroes? It's definitely sci-fi comics for me. Um, I don't read a lot of those, but I always enjoy the sci-fi stuff. Like we, we read some Space Museum not too long ago. Um, I read uh, this great series called Runners, which is sci-fi. Really, uh, you know, Star Wars Various sci-fi stuff I just really enjoy. What about you, Rob? Do you have a favorite genre outside of uh, outside of uh, superheroes? I like horror. I like really good horror stuff. I haven't read a lot of it lately, um, but I, I do. I did tend to like that. Uh, I, you know, it's not a genre, but I really love the work of Paul Pope. I think he's terrific, and so I kind of follow him from project to project. If I was ever going to do like a um, Sutherland's style podcast, where you, like you pick an artist and follow them from project to project. I think I would do Paul Pope. I've, I've loved everything that guy has done. Um, and so he, he, I really dig his stuff. There is something I did want to mention. I forgot um, the first time around when I, when I answered the question is uh, something new that I read that I really liked was uh, Michelle Fifay's Copra. I oh, yeah, picked, yeah. I picked, I picked up book one of that at, at uh, Heroes Con, and I read it, and I really enjoyed it. Now, I will admit, part of me couldn't make heads or tails of it. 
in terms of what was going on. But um, I love the artwork. His artwork is like this weird combo of um, Paul Grist from Jack Staff and like I'd say like Ronan era Frank Miller. It's got this cartooniness, but it's also got this grit that I really enjoyed looking at. And uh, and it's basically like Michel Fifé's like own version of Suicide Squad. Like it's he's not even hiding that. And I kind of like that. I like the idea of, of an indie creator just basically saying, I'm going to take this basic setup that I probably don't think is maybe being done the way I'd want to do it, and I'm going to do it. I think that's such a neat idea, and I love the way that Michelle is selling it. It's like he's, you should look into that, and we won't get into the whole story, but he's, he's distributing the book in a very unusual, kind of antithetical to, to what everyone's supposed to be doing right now. So, uh, no, I really did enjoy uh, Copper, and I was fortunate enough to be able to buy book one from him in person at HeroesCon, and I know, I know I want to pick up the other books. And what I like about Copper, it is so specifically him. It, it's so specifically the voice of this particular person, which I really like. I, I I bought uh, volume one and individual issues online before I did the JLI episode with him. He was on episode uh, number ten of the JLI, by the way. He's a phenomenal guest. I mean, much better than talking to Rob. And uh, yeah. enjoyed the hell out of it. I described it as his his letter, his love letter to Suicide Squad. But the villains felt to me more like Grant Morrison Doom Patrol villains, is what it felt like. So it was a really interesting mixture. And, and that's the part where I would say, you know, where you said you didn't know what the hell was going on. Any Doom Patrol villains, the same kind of way. Like, well, I don't know what I'm reading, right. but it's awesome. Right, right, uh, right. I, yeah. <laughs> I picked up volume two myself of Copper from him at Heroes Con. I haven't had a chance to read it. It's on my two read shelf, so I can't wait to get into that. So awesome. Very cool. All right. Oh, right. you here we go. Next yeah, let me get another That's bottle of water here. Uh, we have a lot of questions from David Ace Gutierrez, the executive producer of Pod Dylan and frequent guest on Film and Water. He was just on the most recent episode, which is our summer school commentary episode. Anyway, let's get through all these. He says, uh, if not this pair of heroes, what would you want to do a show on? And take out the whole someone is already doing an argument. How old is too old to go by Shag? Does Rob ever just want to call Shag by his real name? You get to choose your coy in Vance, your replacements. Who do you choose and why? Uh, we know what you like about Aquaman and Firestorm, but what do you like about Blue Devil and the Phantom Stranger? Favorite MASH episode for Rob. Favorite Doctor Who episode. All seasons at play for Shag. Luke Dobb, what's he smell like? Why do this when it seems like you really don't like the current line of comics? What's a topic you want to cover but you know your partner will hate? Transformers, not an acceptable answer. How would your significant other describe your favorite hero? Could she? Are your folks into anything like comics? You're running DC Comics. Who do you put on Aquaman and Firestorm? And it can't be either of you. What's taking so long for who's who? And by that I mean the important series, not the Legion. And he keeps going. You have to permanently <laughs> bury one of the big seven at the DC. Who is it and why? You have to permanently bury one of Marvel's major characters. Who is it and why? Shag, favorite MASH cast member. What's your favorite moment of theirs? Rob, favorite Trek character and favorite moment of theirs. Good Lord, David. All right, let's start at the top here. If not for this pair of heroes, who would you want to do a show about? Um, I, I feel like we've kind of covered that one already. A little bit. I mean, we've talked to – what's that? I said a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I mean if we had to pick a duo, you know, I, I would probably make pick Blue Devil because he's – I like the color – option of because that would work nice with podcasting i want to cover the character and he'd be fun to pair up against someone you want to pick a random person that we've talked about i would do the phantom stranger and i think that would be a nice comparison with blue devil oh and they even had an issue together yep okay there we go yep. okay uh well should we skip ahead to that that question what um 
because he says, what do you like about Blue Devil and what do you like about Phantom Stranger? Yeah, For Blue Devil, I love the fun. Because that was even I'm, – I'm looking at on my wall. I have one of the old promotional posters that they distribute to comic shops. I have it framed. It hangs on my wall. And the tagline uh, below this beautiful Paris Collins drawing is, we've made comics fun again. And that's what those first uh, run of Blue Devil was. It was fun without being overly zany. It was it was a, a, just an enjoyable spirit. There was such energy in Paris Collins' artwork with Blue Devil. It just was damn fun. And uh, in a time when comics were trying to go dark, it was it was about 83, 84 when it came out. So they were trying to move towards that era uh, that you would eventually get with Dark Knight and Watchmen, but they weren't there yet. And this was a comic trying to pull them back. And I just – I love the joy of it. It's just fun. What about Phantom Stranger, Rob? What do you love about him? Um, I, I love the mystery, and also I just really love the comics. Like a lot, like the, that Apero Win Lin Ween run is just really good, and I love him in JLA. I love the stuff, his guest appearances in Swamp Thing. I love the backup strips that uh, Mike W. Barr wrote in the backup Swamp Thing. I've always liked the character. I like the mystery. I like his look. I, I just everything. But I like that he is, operates on the fringes of the DC universe. So I, I always thought he was great. And so I think it would be nice. Like I said, I think him and Blue Devil, I think she would make like a really interesting show because it is like dark and light. You know, yeah, it would be a nice balance. That'd be fun. The next question I'll take is: Is uh, how how is uh, too old, or how when is it too old to go by Shag? And does Rob want to call me by my real name? So yes, folks. Uh, with my next birthday, I will be giving up the Shag name, and I will start going by my, my real name, which is Scalp Matthews, um, or representative of my true hair follicle situation. So as of then, feel free to start calling me Scalp, Rob. That's perfectly fine. It would be weird if I called Shag by his real name. All right, Rob. You get to choose your coin, Vance. Our replacements. Who do you choose and why? Oh, that's a that's a tough call. Like I think I like I I'd be inclined to like go with Chris Franklin because I think Chris has a, a like a sunnier disposition than me, and I think that would be a nice change of pace uh, for as my replacement. And I think him and I kind of come at things from a similar point of view in terms of like what we like and stuff like that. So I I, I would lean towards. I mean, of course, this is a universe where Chris isn't already doing his show with Cindy. Um, so I think I would I would lean towards saying let's 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 get uh, Chris in here. Who would you replace me with? Because I picked a separate coin advance entirely. Who would I replace you with? That's a you know I, I'm trying to think who would balance against Chris really well. I mean that, that's a I don't know that's a tough call. I would like <laughs> like him and Ryan have a great relationship, but they have a better relationship than you and I have. So I don't think that's a fair <laughs> thing. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure. So I picked, uh, in a perfect world, Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. That's who I picked. <laughs> and now, uh, I would even go as far as to say Matthew Perry and Tom Lennon, who did the remake of The Odd Couple. Though I've never seen their version of the show. I'm sure it's terrible. But uh, the actors of Matthew Perry and Tom Lennon together, that's a perfect formula to, to make The Odd Couple. I have no idea if the show is any good. I, I probably will never watch it. But, uh, yeah. Definitely an odd couple situation. So I, I, you really are a Tony Randall. I'm sorry. You, it fits you quite well. And uh, I unfortunately am the Slavin Jack Klugman version. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, he asked, what is uh, your favorite MASH episode, Rob? I don't have one. I just don't. There are, there are a handful that I think are fantastic. Um, I, the one I, I tend to single out because it is not one that is – like a big one among like diehard MASH fans is there was one called the more I see you from season four, 
where Hawkeye, an old flame of Hawkeye, played by Blythe Danner, the great Blythe Danner, who's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's mom, uh, shows up and shows up at the unit and throws Hawkeye for a loop. And when I was a kid, I didn't like that episode because it was mushy stuff. I didn't like that. It was all, you know. And now that I'm quote unquote grown up, I love it because I think it is a wonderful examination of love lost. And uh, Blake Danner and Alan Alda have an amazing chemistry. It can, can, when you think about the fact that they only had about 21 minutes to believably play a couple that had been together years before, they pull it off. And then there is a section in the show where Mike Farrell, playing a BJ Honeycutt, gets a scene where he talks about why he's loyal to his wife. And it is one of the most profound things I've ever heard said on television. It is just, it to me, is it is remarkable how brilliant it is. And uh, so that is, I, I always think of that one because it's just, it's not an episode most people pick out. So I, I love that show. I think I've seen that episode, actually. Um, I'm not a diehard MASH fan. I love every episode I've seen of MASH. And I used to watch it when I was in my teen years every night. But I, I, don't re- I haven't retained any of it. Uh, but that, when you said about BJ's speech right there, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I think I've seen that. Uh, my favorite Doctor Who episode of all time is hands down Legopolis. Uh, that would be the last episode with Tom Baker where he regenerates into Peter Davison. Uh, is it the best episode? No, no, not by any means. There's all kinds of flaws in that thing. But is it my favorite? Yes, that is my mac and cheese episode. When I have the flu and I'm laying on the couch, invariably Legopolis is going to end up in the player. So, um, Luke Dobb, what does he smell like? My, my answer is cucumber and freedom. Uh, what's yours, Rob? Victory. There it is. Perfect. All right. Uh, why do we do this when it seems like we really don't like the current line of comics? <sighs> I I have an answer. I don't know if you do or not. Um, well, I mean, there's, you know, there's 74 previous years of Aquaman to talk about. So there's a lot. Of, I mean, and when we did start the show, I did like the current line of comics. I think every I, I I waxed the car of Jeff Johns and even Ivan Reese and Rod Reese and Joe Prado every single month for two years straight. And we even really liked the Jeff Parker stuff with Paul Pelletier. It was, it was only the stuff after that, that I kind of, and, and, and I even liked the Dan Abnett stuff too. So I don't, I don't think that's fair to say we don't like it. It's just, I don't have a lot to say about it. And I think there's another question later on that we'll get to when we can get into the nitty gritty of it. If we, little bit but I, I wouldn't say that I don't like it it's just I don't know I have more passion to talk about other things and kind of similar to, to my answer about Doctor Who where we have such limited time to get together uh, I want to talk about stuff we want to talk about you know what I mean right. we can we can force ourselves to talk about the new issue of Aquaman but if I if that doesn't float my boat the way talking about an old Bob Heaney story does let's talk about the Bob Heaney story so that's kind of where I am on that Exactly. And, and we still love comics. And, and Fire and Water is not always about Aquaman and Firestorm. And uh, you talk about the current era. Well, Firestorm doesn't have a current era <laughs> of comics. So what we're doing right now is the old Jerry Conway stuff, which is where I, ha- I love. Everyone loves the old Jerry Conway stuff. Now, uh, to be honest, we're entering an era right next we're like in the 30s that we're reviewing. Um, there's some not good issues there. And Rob and I freely acknowledge that, and therefore we're reviewing clumps of issues now. So to, to sort of get as much as – squeeze as much happiness as we can out of those issues. So, and that, that's how we're dealing with it, you know? And it's funny you talk about the, the different eras and stuff like that. I do – this is the point where I want to read the very first iTunes review we ever got, Rob. You ready? Uh, it's, it's called Fan the Flame. And uh, it's because I had a catchphrase when we started and you didn't. And it's by a guy I, – I, or a girl. I don't even know who this is. I don't think they even listen anymore. Uh, Zarsis, X-A-R-S-I-S. 
no idea who that is. And there, are, I am a Firestorm fan. Don't know a whole lot about Aquaman, but I'm open-minded. Looking forward to future episodes. I hope Firestorm takes off, but with Gail Simone at the helm, I don't see how it can fail. <laughs> oh, how history tells a different story. Um, so, yes, there have been some bad eras. Uh, but you know what? We found things to like in every comic. And, uh, you know, some of those Firestorm issues honestly were terrible, but we would find something in those issues that was like, you know what, I like this aspect of the comic. And that's okay, you know? Yep. All right. What topic you want your, uh, to cover and you know your partner will hate? What you got, Rob? I don't know. I can't think of anything that you hate that I would want to cover. I think um, the closest I can get to that is I think there is stuff that I would like to cover. That I think Shag is a little more sensitive to someone else having covered something and so he's like all right let's hands off and i'm i'm less on that i'm more like hey if i want to talk about it i want to talk about it what do i get like i would love to cover kingdom come mm. in depth now we know bailey and the middletons uh, did a great job covering oh, it it was amazing but to me it's like well that that, that doesn't mean they own it in perpetuity and 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 it's i'm true. not and i'm not saying that they are acting like they do but and i would well, feel the same way about Who's who? If somebody decided to do a Who's Who podcast, that's fine with me. Now they're not going to do better than us, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but I wouldn't be insulted if somebody did. So I, that's the closest I can get. There, there's stuff that I think Shag kind of is like, nah, that's that we somebody did that, and I'm like, so what? Who cares if somebody did it? I want to do it. So stuff like that. It's funny. Like I, I, I do feel that way sometimes. Like when a friend of mine does a show. I just don't want to step on it because I don't want to hurt their feelings, you know, or, or I'm really impressed with what they did. But like you said, my own stuff, if somebody wanted to do a Firestorm podcast, hell yes. I would love to listen to someone else do a Firestorm podcast. Mm -hmm. Please do. Someone else wanted to do JLI. Hell to the yeah. Bring it, brother. So um, as far as uh, – see, I thought you'd go with something like uh, – um, something I would hate, like Judd Winnick and why we love him uh, or something like that. I would that. never want to do that, so it's <laughs> not going to count. So the the one I did come up with that I think you would not want it to, which was oh I didn't realize I stole my own title. Oh well, is meat in why we love it? <laughs> okay. Well, that, you wouldn't have much... that, that comes up later on in the questions too. It's funny. That's true. Exactly. So all right. Uh, how would your significant other describe your favorite hero? And could she? Hmm. Robert. Uh, what the hell is that? Uh. Yes, Tracy absolutely could. She loved Aquaman as a kid. She thought he was cute. She had a crush on him. Um, so, uh, yeah. And I, one of the first gifts I ever bought her was a, an Aquaman drinking glass from, like, uh, Artie's or Harvey's or whatever the hell the chain was. So, yeah, she, she absolutely could. I mean, she couldn't get into the minutia, but she doesn't get into the minutia of anything. Um, that's not how she enjoys things. But she, she has a basic overall concept of what Aquaman's all about. And she knows why I like – she knows the main reason why I like it is because he's kind of like the friend to the environment and a friend to animal life. So, And that's something that she and I have in common. It's one of the things that bonds us. So I think she understands that that's that one of the big things I like about Aquaman. Uh, my wife certainly knows who Firestorm is. I mean, she has no choice living in the same house as me. It's impossible to miss when you're in my office and you see all the action figures and stuff. Uh, but if she had to describe him, she'd be like, it's that guy with his head on fire. You know, the one you talk about all the time. Um, I mean, she's familiar enough with the character. I mean, she's seen various cartoons. She understands the Ronnie and Professor merger and everything like that. But I, I don't think you could get her to discuss it for very long because she, she just frankly doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but she's perfectly fine with me caring, which is why it works so well, which is why it's such a joy. And I'm so lucky that she lets me just go off and do my own thing. She's like, fine, go, go do your thing. I just don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> so, 
Um, are your folks into anything like comics? Uh, I'll take this one first because I want to. Um, my dad – my, my, first of all, no. My parents are not into anything comics, but they have their own interests. My dad – and I, I, my dad's a really interesting guy. He had more going in his life uh, before age 30 than most people do in two lifetimes. I mean the guy was a musician in a rock band. He became a Ronald McDonald that did parades and stuff like that. He went to seminary school and almost became a priest. He – oh my – so, he toured with one of the ink spots by the way uh, when he was in the rock band. He did so many things that are just – blow my mind. He, he directed uh, plays. I'm sorry. What was that? He censored Ewok specials. He did. He censored an Ewok special. That's absolutely true. Uh, and that's, I'm not, we're not kidding. Um, but one of the things I've always been most impressed with was my dad was actually a professional performing stage magi- magician. Um, it wasn't his full-time job. He, he managed television stations, which is another amazing thing. But he, uh, he, on the weekends and after hours, he would do magic shows professionally. He got hired to do them at the mall and you know at, at stores for the governor. He did magic shows for the governor, you know, things like that. He owned a massive magic collection. Uh, he owned a magic uh, shop back in the '70s when you could actually sell magic, you know, in shops and people cared. Um, he even owned, like, in his collection, he had some original letters and movie outlines written by Houdini himself. Um, wow. Yeah, and so my dad loves magic. I mean, he collects magic old lithograph and posters and stuff like that. Like every Halloween, he dresses up as Gandalf or Merlin, whichever you choose. And he has a, he does a magic trick for the kids. He shows them a pan, and it's empty. And he's like, oh, we're out of candy. And he's like, boom, and suddenly it's full of candy and lets the kids choose. I mean, the kids love it. All the kids in the neighborhood come out and see him every Halloween. It's a really neat thing. My dad worked in insurance. <laughs> my, my mom did too. <laughs> uh, no, neither one of my parents are into anything like comics. The closest we can get is my mom, when she was a kid, read Katie Keene, which was mm. like an Archie spinoff character. And uh, many years ago, she liked Katie Keene for the fashions because my mom liked to draw, which is clearly where I got it from. And she liked to draw like fashion uh, stuff. And she still has some of her drawings. And they're really good. They're really good for an untrained a uh, nine-year-old living in uh, Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, with no money. Uh, she was she was really pretty good, and she liked Katie Keene because Katie Keene was all about like dressing up and looking fabulous and stuff like that. So a bunch of years ago, I got her a vintage Katie Keene comic, which she got Aww. framed, and it's, it's sitting in the room, which used to be my bedroom actually at the at the house. Uh, my dad, no, he was not in the comics. Although there is a picture of my dad in 1941 reading an issue of the Shadow Comics, and that is the cover to my book, Hey Kids Comics. Uh, that photo that photo was just, that photo looks like something you would see in Life magazine because it was taken by my Uncle Fred, who I've mentioned many times on previous episodes. He was a great photographer, an amateur, but a great photographer, and that photo just is just classic. And it's the literally the only picture you're ever going to have of my father engaging with a comic book. So, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I should have mentioned, my dad... Uh, tells a story all the time on how he had Superman number one. Um, not Action Comics number one, but he had Superman number one. The cover had been torn off for some reason, uh, but he had it, he read it, he loved it, and he traded it away for other comics with his friends. Oh. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. All right, uh, let's see. You're running DC right. Comics? There it is. Yes, you're running DC Comics. Who do you put on Aquaman and Firestorm, and it can't be either of you? What you got, buddy? It would not be me. I, can't, I have no qualifications for that, so I, that's not even a consideration. Um, I mentioned Paul Pope earlier. I don't know if Paul Pope would be a great pick for Aquaman exactly, but I would love to see it. 
because Paul Pope is great at crafting these very particular worlds that have a kind of intrinsic logic all to themselves. He did uh, the Wednesday com- for Wednesday comics. He did the Adam Strange strip, which mm. I thought was beautiful. I'd love to see him tackle the undersea world of Aquaman. I, th- I think Paul Pope has just, again, a really unique view, and it's kind of it's kind of like almost weirdly gritty and realistic, but also light and carefree. And he seems to get what, why people read these comics. So I'd love to see him. He wouldn't be the guy that you would turn Aquaman over to for like three years and, and have him involved in crossovers and, and shit like that. That's, that's not your Paul Pope. But if you, if you need like to do like an eight issue run and then you just collect it in a book, Paul Pope would be your, your man. I think that would be a really cool comic to read. Very cool. Um, my pick is, this is going to be no surprise, folks, but he just proved last year he's got the chops to do it still, Jerry Conway, uh, writing Firestorm. He gets it. Uh, the Legends of Tomorrow, uh, that anthology, the Firestorm strip in there was excellent uh, on art. I think I'd like to see someone with kind of a fun style kind of out there. Uh, Humberto Ramos is who comes to mind for me. The guy used to draw Impulse, you know, uh, when it made Impulse real big. Now, that means Firestorm would have huge feet. That's okay. I can deal with that. Uh, I think that would be a fun combination because that's what you need. You need Jerry writing it, and you need someone who's got a fun artistic style that is – Outlandish would be what I think would work. Even though, you know, even though Pat Broderick wasn't, I think in this era to have a fun superhero, you need kind of an outlandish style. Yeah, I could see that. Yep. All right, you have to permanently bury one of the big seven of the DC. Who's it going to be, Rob? And I'm sure it's Aquaman. But who? who <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have any grudge against any of them. I mean, who? I don't even know who he. Who's the big seven? Is Cyborg one of the big seven? As opposed oh, to Manhunter? Oh no, I see what you're saying. Okay, Let, let's stick with traditional. You know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, uh, Green Lantern, Flash, Martian Manhunter, and Aquaman. You know, it would be kind of interesting to see what the DC Universe looked like without Batman for, like, a month. You know, like, they can't seem to run the DC. Like, there's, like, 19 Batman titles. It would be kind of fun just to get rid of Batman for a while. Like, just to see what that would look like. I know there's zero chance of that happening. Well, but, if you uh, want to know what it looks like, go look at Battle for the Cowl. It was awful. Oh, was that, did, was that a story? Was that a well, thing? When, well, Batman died uh, at the end of Final oh. Crisis. Um, but he really just got thrown back in time and spent months coming forward. But there were several months where there was no Batman, and they did a story called Battle for the Cowl, which was to see who would be the new Batman, and it was not a good miniseries. But did they, did they follow Batman back in time? That came later. Okay. So At he that was point, actually he was gone dead. for a while. And then later on, they came back with a series right. where they showed okay. And I could be getting some of that wrong, because quite frankly, I'm over my Batman phase, but anyway. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think any of those seven have a particular great weakness that you could point to and say they need to be getting, gotten rid of. Okay. Uh, for me, the big seven, bye-bye, Hal Jordan. Uh, <laughs> don't need you, buddy. You're gone. That would happen in a heartbeat. Have no problem killing Hal Jordan. Uh, his character is one-dimensional. He's boring. Uh, he's, some of the Silver Age stories are okay, but not because of him. They're good because of the, what's going on. Hal's a boring guy. Even Jeff Johns couldn't make him interesting. He made everything else around him interesting. So, uh, sorry, Hal, you're gone. Now, if David, uh, besides I got Kyle Rayner in my back pocket. Now, if David were then so, no, 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 you got to kill the whole Green Lantern franchise, uh, never mind. I would not kill the Green Lantern franchise. Instead, it would, no, sorry, Frank, it'd probably be Martian Manhunter. And if anyone can explain why it should be Martian Manhunter, it would be Frank because he gets it. Uh, if you could kill any, permanently uh, bury anyone from Marvel, who would it be? I'll just put it right out there. Deadpool, I'm sick of it. I'm sorry. Uh, the movie's funny, but I'm so sick of seeing him everywhere. Uh, probably for similar reasons, I think I'd give Wolverine a rest. 
<laughs> I just feel like, all right. But I mean, you know what? I haven't read a Wolverine comic in 20 years. So it's not even fair for me to say that. I mean, there there might be great Wolverine comics. I have no idea. I haven't read them. So I don't even want to, I don't want to suggest that. It's funny. All the stuff you keep picking, like, you know, Batman being dead. You know, Wolverine's dead right now. I don't know if you know no, that or not. No, no idea. I couldn't tell <laughs> but, He's still able to publish because uh, the X-23, his daughter, is now currently the new Wolverine. Okay, and sure. a alternate version of Wolverine from the future, uh, which is kind of like the movie Logan. He's called Old Man Logan. Okay. Uh, he is currently in the modern timeline. So Wolverine's dead, but you've still got two different Wolverines running around. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, what is taking so long for who's who? Screw you, David. Uh, and by that, I mean the important series, not the Legion. The Legion is entirely my fault and a little bit of the fault of my companions who are helping me record this, but it's, uh, there's just a lot going on, guys. So, and they're massively long. They're four hours apiece. I'm worried the next one's going to be six hours. I don't know. We've got, uh, for the last episode of Who's in the Legion, we've got most of it recorded. We've got one more piece to do. Then i got to edit that beast. Uh, after that, we've got one episode of feedback from Star Trek, Who's Who in Star Trek, Who's Who in Legion, and we've got a special surprise as part of that. Cisco is going to be a guest on that episode. And then we're going to do the Loose Leaf, folks. I yep. mean, we may take a little bit of a breath, because I know, Rob, it's been a long time since you've had to do Who's Who. You might have to wind up to it. I don't know. But uh, when then we're going to do the Loose Leaf. It's going to be a big freaking party when we launch the Loose Leaf, guys. We cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll, that'll be big. That'll be really big. I mean, to be fair, I like making fun of Shag for not doing Legion on time or whatever, but it is a huge effort that he's doing. I mean, he's dealing with dozens and dozens of characters. Even though the Star Treks were 48 pages, they were basically one character apiece, or two characters, you know, one character across two pages. Uh, Shag is dealing with quite literally triple the amount of characters. And so it's, it's a lot more work. When we decided how we were going to split them up, and Shag was like, oh, I'll do Legion. I was like, is he crazy? That's so much way more work. But, of course, it only made sense because he likes the Legion and I hate the Legion. Uh, but I, I still was amazed that he volunteered to take it on because I was like, man, I'm getting the easier end of this deal. Star Trek's going to be a cakewalk compared to the Legion. And it was. So, Well, a lot of it, too, is just real life's gotten in the way. I, I've right. moved my job. It's just a number of different things are, right. are going on. So, right. um, Let's see what else. Uh, last thing, I guess. Shag, your favorite MASH character. Uh, cast member and Rob, your favorite Star Trek one. Um, Rob, you want to go first? My favorite Trek character is Dr. McCoy. Uh, I love Dr. McCoy. I like his, his humanistic approach. I mean, he's a bit of a hothead, which reminds me of myself. Um, I, I definitely, I mean, like, when we were back at Cubert um, and we were hanging out, Tom Zoller liked to refer to himself as Captain Kirk. He still thinks of himself in those terms. Uh, and I was definitely the McCoy. I was definitely the more hothead, the kind one who was more like, what, getting mad about stuff or whatever. So I kind of like that. I love the fact that McCoy is the character that they chose to launch uh, Next Gen, that he yes. is the original character. I love that scene. It is it, The old man McCoy figure is one of the few toys I still have left. <laughs> it's sitting here in a drawer. I love that, that whole bit. So I always loved Dr. McCoy. I thought he, I thought he was terrific. I thought he was the real... In, in a lot of ways, the beating heart of the series. And uh, so, you know, I, I think he was... Yeah, I'm glad that he left with... Um, that the last we ever see him is, is Next Gen. I think that's a great sign-off for the character. The original version, of course. Boy, you ain't got no points when you're here. I love that he turned like a Southern. That's really funny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's, his character is supposed to be from, if I remember right, Macon, Georgia, which is where some of our listeners are from, actually. So okay. that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I, there's actually a book 
um, I don't remember which one it's called because I, you know, I love Star Trek novels and they all sort of blur together after a while. But it's in the next gen timeline. But they get Scotty, you know, who came back. They get McCoy, and they get uh, Spock, and they go on this. It's an adventure where all of these people are involved in an adventure together, and uh, it's a nice cross. Time, you know, cross a next gen original series without breaking a timeline because they're all living in the 24th century. It's fun. Um, my favorite MASH character, all right, is BJ Honeycutt. Um, now, now, Dave has asked for my favorite moment, but unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, I watched MASH in my teen years. I don't remember much of it uh, other than just like the spirit, the essence of it. But BJ, there was just something about him. I felt like he was the guy I would have been able to talk to at the MASH unit. Um, I just felt like he was the guy who could relate to me as a teenager and understand and be kind enough and listen. And I just, I've always loved that character. He's, he's my favorite. No doubt about it. Mine too. Really? No, Mm -hmm. I figured Mm -hmm. Hawkeye would be your favorite. No, no, no. BJ. All right. Uh, and our buddy who does the Supergirl blog and comic box commentary, also the Legion of Super Bloggers, and he's on that Who's Who in the Legion episodes I'm working on. He's got two questions. He goes, if the two of you were going to abandon Aquaman and Firestorm and start a Marvel character-based podcast, which underappreciated Marvel character would you each pick to represent? And then he goes, which is the more spectacular villain, Reactron or Hyathis? <laughs> that's, a, that's a Who's Who reference for you folks there. <sighs> and then um, thanks for being the home of the community and giving me a place to rant about Supergirl. Girl, the Creeper, and Gene Tierney. Uh, I don't. Did I say the last name right? Yeah, Gene Tierney. You got it. Okay. All right, uh, Rob. Uh, well, I'll, I'll let Rob answer, but I will tell you, there's been many times Rob and I have joked about doing a Fire and Water, like April Fool's Day episode, where we just playing it straight, do a Namor and Human Torch episode. <laughs> right. Uh, we just, Fire and water. We just thought that'd be perfect, and we've never done it, and I don't think we ever will because we have, quite frankly, better ideas for April Fool's Day. So, Rob, who would you do if we were doing a Marvel podcast? Um, I, I don't know if this is the right answer. I would love to do Hulk. I've always mm. loved the Hulk, but I don't know if that's underappreciated. Certainly like, not. I mean, he's, he's one of the big Marvel characters, so I don't think that uh, would appreciate it. So, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna say unappreciated, um, I actually really like Hercules. I love Marvel's Hercules. Really? Yeah, I think he's terrific. I was always a fun character. Uh, I can't understand how Marvel has missed a bet not putting him into live action yet. Uh, to me, I'm like he would. That's who you get the rock for, not Black, oh. not Black Adam. What the hell you want to see Rock play Black Adam? I think the Rock as Hercules would be a license. I mean, I know he played Hercules in a movie, but I mean the Marvel Hercules. That would be a license to print money. I think it would be fantastic. So I, I, but I always liked Hercules. I, I just thought he was just, just a fun. I liked that he was just like wine, women, and song version of Thor. I just thought that was he's terrific. So I, he'd be kind of fun to, to, to focus on. That would be funny. That would be good. You know, they they did a series. Um, was, I think, was it the Incredible Hercules or something like that? Like they, they, they took over the Hulk book and gave it to Hercules, yeah, and it was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah. That's where they introduced Amadeus Cho and everything. It was a lot of fun. Um, for me, I, my default also is a character who a couple of years ago I would have said was underappreciated, but now I cannot say that by any means, was Daredevil. Um, Daredevil's my favorite Marvel character. I, 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 I didn't even realize it at the time, but I bought Daredevil nonstop every month for 17 years. Um, and, never, and the weird thing is I never talked about him with anybody. I just bought it every month because I loved it. And it was it, – so he's always been one of my favorite characters. Um, but he's very appreciated, so I don't think you can do it. 
So I got a couple of different choices. Um, I would love to do something with Spider-Man 2099. I love that version of uh, the Miguel O'Hara. I absolutely love that one. I figure, I feel like he, even though he's got an ongoing right now, I still feel like he's kind of a, a sideline character. Uh, failing that, uh, probably uh, either Sasquatch or Puck from Alpha Flight. Wouldn't that be funny uh, <laughs> to do a podcast with one of them? Or even Bug or Acro Year from Micronauts. I would love to do those. Those would be a lot of fun. And then uh, his second question, which is more spectacular, uh, Reactron or Hyathis? I think the only answer that could be accepted, Rob, would be the gang. I, you can tell Andrew's a dad because that's a real, like, uh, when do you want to eat your vegetables, now or in 15 minutes kind of question. You know, you're like, wait, I don't agree with either. All right, I guess you got me. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. By the, by the way, I do, I do want to mention his final line. This will be the only time in history that Supergirl, the Creeper, and Gene Tierney will be in the same sentence. That will never happen again. Okay, who's Gene Tierney? Forgive She's an me. actress. She's an old golden age of Hollywood actress. She was in the f- movies in the 40s and 50s. And uh, she played a lot of like, uh, I don't want to say a lot of film noir, but she did. She, she played kind of like femme fatales. And uh, Ange has a major, major crush on her. She was one of the most beautiful women ever to be in movies, and uh, yeah. Ange, Ange just loves the heck out of her, and, and he and I uh, did a movie that she did on film and water called Leave Her to Heaven, which is oh. a terrific movie, he, he just loves her. Okay, awesome, absolutely wonderful, I keep, I keep needling Ange, asking when he's going to start a podcast, and he's like, there's no way. Was that, <laughs> so. a, was that a doctor joke, needling? Oh! So uh, I think Ange has a wonderful career as a, a awesome professional podcast guest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, next up we have uh, questions from Santaran. Was I saying that right? Oh, what? It's a Doctor Who thing. It's Santaran. Okay. Well, like, well, how would I know that? Because it's you're alive. Just go. The, the, oh, please. All right. He says, questions for Rob. I heard you were a vegetarian, right? Do you eat chicken or fish? Ba- and the, So, okay. Do you, so do you eat chicken or fish? And then he says, where do you get your protein? What can you eat besides salads? What about vitamin B12? But what if you were stuck on a desert island? And he ends every sentence with the word bacon. Uh, as he every goes question on. has every, bacon every, every the question end of the bacon. It's very much a call and response kind of thing. And then he ends with, okay, on a serious note, why did you decide to become a vegetarian? Okay. This is very boring, so I'm going to be very brief. Uh, yes, I am a vegetarian. Next month, it will be 19 years. Um, Whoa. Uh, do I eat chicken or fish? No, I do not. Where do I get my protein? Uh, a lot of uh, soy, beans. Uh, so, I mean, I, I managed to, to get it here and there. Uh, what can you eat besides salads? Lots of stuff. Uh, there's lots of things that, you know, I don't probably eat as many fruits and vegetables as I should, but there's lots of other stuff out there that you can eat. What about B12? Same thing. Uh, what if I was stuck on a desert island? Well, I, well, okay. I mean, if I was going to die, I would be okay with it, but... You know, short of that, no, I would not do it. Um, on a serious note, why did you become a vegetarian? Uh, partly health and partly animals. I don't want to eat animals. Um, I don't even have a real moral problem necessarily with eating animals. What I don't like is how we treat them uh, to turn into food and the fact that we don't treat them very well to save a couple of bucks. That's the part that bothers me. If there was a way to... Uh, turn animals into food that treated them well uh, before you turn them into food, I would be okay with that, but we kind of don't do that. We sort of like really 
treat chickens and pigs horribly because it makes the people that turn them into food, it makes them a little more profit. And I don't want to be a part of that. I am to a certain extent. Uh, I have to buy chicken for the dog and the cat because they are not vegetarian. They can't be. You're going to kill them if you make them vegetarian. I'm not crazy. So um, I do participate in it in some level. I don't really want to, but I have to. But uh, in terms of uh, my own diet, I stopped eating meat in uh, October of 1998, never looked back, never missed it. And uh, luckily, Tracy's a vegetarian, too, so it, that makes it a lot easier. Mm. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So no bacon? Zero bacon. I would never know. And you know, the other thing is, too, this is funny. I, I didn't mean to go on about this, but when, I, when it has come up with people, the, re- the reaction is often is not – you never told me as if it's some deep, dark secret that I've been hiding. And to me, it's like, it's not relevant because it doesn't matter. I really don't judge people for that. There aren't vegetarians, which is strange for me. Cause as everyone knows, I'm super liberal and we love judging people, but like, I really don't, I, I, I really don't judge people. You have to come to it of your own conclusion. I mean, do, do I wish the world was vegetarian? I do, but they're not. So, okay. Everybody has their own, point of view. In fact, I remember, this is the last anecdote I will tell. Uh, the New Orleans Comic Con in 1998, uh, me and Tom Zoller went to it, and it was right after I decided to become vegetarian. And we went, he wanted to go to Emeril Lagasse's restaurant, because that was like a big touristy thing. He wanted to go. So him and I went. We went with Bob Ingersoll, the writer. Wow. And Yeah. He's, Tom and Bob have been friends for decades. So we went to this restaurant. And the three of us are sitting there, and I'm looking at the menu, and literally everything had an animal in it. I mean, it was like the bread had a pigeon stuffed in it. I mean, it was just – there was – and I – so, so Tom, like, noticed me looking at the menu, and I had this, like, look on my face of, like, oh, shit. There's, like, literally nothing for me to eat. And he's like, are you going to be able to find something? And I said, yeah, you know, I'll cobble, like, a salad together or something. And Bob was, like, kind of looked quizzically at me, like, what? And, and I was like, oh, I'm vegetarian. And Bob goes, oh, he's like, oh, wow. He's like, is it okay that I order meat? And my answer was, and it is, my answer was then as it is now. I said, Bob, when I have my life all straightened out, then I'll run yours. But until then, (laughs) do what you want. And that's kind of how I choose to operate things. That's fantastic. And and, uh, Rob's right. It doesn't come up. I didn't find out that Rob was a vegetarian until we sat down face-to-face for the first time to eat lunch. And I kept suggesting meat-heavy places. (laughs) Yeah, that's the only time it ever comes up is when we go out. If I go out with somebody and they suggest something and I have to gently say, uh, is there vegetarian alternatives? And if they say no, okay, can we go somewhere else? But for the most part, I try and find, you know, the best way to just work around it because I don't want to be difficult, you know? And, and, and I love barbecues, and when I, especially when I'm on the road, so that was probably my first instinct. We ended up with pizza, which was delightful, and it was a great, you know, had a great conversation, and it was really interesting to find that out. Uh, I, I can tell you from hanging out with Rob three or four times now. I can't remember. Three. Three. Um, by the well, way, we I got together know... in 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 Pennsylvania. Yep. And then we got together with Gene, and then Heroes yep. Con. Okay, so I can tell you with complete authority, one of the places Rob gets his uh, protein from is beer. So I can. That's <laughs> true. <So. laughs> and then uh, finally, our last questions come from Clinton Robinson of the Coffee 
uh, Coffee and Comics blog, and he says, uh, there's a number of questions here, so let's just, well, I'm going to run through these and then we'll talk about it. Rob, which is your favorite Transformers <laughs> ever? The red box, the blue box, the yellow box, or the silver box? And he says, Shag, assuming Phantom Girl is not the hottest Legionnaire, uh, because she really isn't, the title actually belongs to Alia Rands, thank you, uh, who takes the top spot in your opinion? Which we all know will be wrong, because you won't say Alia uh, Rands. Hmm. A little bit leading, leading, the, leading the answer there, I think. Then he says, if either of you were to cast yourselves in a superhero movie, who would you play? And then uh, if Firestorm were to have his own super pet, what would it be? Will Rob ever tire of creating more shows or Twitter handles? I know the answer to that one, folks. Uh, and then he goes, feel free to answer some or none of these fellas. In all seriousness, thanks for all the hours of entertainment. So glad you managed to keep uh, from killing each other. <laughs> it's not done yet. Uh, and to work so well together all these years, waiting patiently for the next episode and the next milestone. Until then, fan the flame and ride the wave. All right. So first question, Rob, to you, which is your favorite transformer? The red box, blue box, the yellow box, or silver box? <laughs> uh, I, I think I'm a big fan of uh, Mark Wahlberg and his role as Cade Yeager. <laughs> it's a transformer. <laughs> I thought so you liked the one that stupid. I, like you, I thought you liked the one that uh, turned into a picnic basket, but anyway. <laughs> I like any of the Transformers that don't move. That way I don't have to pay attention to them. They just Fair there. enough. Fair enough. Uh, for me, it was who, who's the hottest Legionnaire other than Phantom Girl? Uh, and yes, that is a very easy question. It's Andromeda, uh, also known as Laurel Gand, or you could say she's the Supergirl stand-in. Without a doubt, Andromeda is the second hottest Legionnaire. Or uh, you could, I guess, suppose you could go with Dream Girl, because she is under the right pencil. She's just absolutely sexy as hell. Or Actually, I guess you could go with Saturn Girl during the 70s and that uh, Dave Cocker mouth that was pretty amazing. Either way, it's it's Phantom Girl. So Anyway, okay. Uh, if you, either of you to cast yourselves in a superhero movie, who would you play Rob? I can't act, as everybody knows, so that's completely inappropriate. I, I, I will admit, like as the Aquaman movie began to ramp up, I did kind of hope that maybe Warner Brothers would take it notice of the single Aquaman blog that's been, you know, flying the free flag for twenty for ten years, but they never did. So I was kind of hoping maybe I could go to the set and be an extra, dream of dreams, but that's obviously not coming to pass. So no, I would never play any part. I can't do any of that stuff. Um, if I were to be in a superhero uh, in a film, I would be balding, middle-aged, slightly overweight guy. That would be my superhero name. Um, but realistically, if you look at the, like my body type or whatever, I mean, maybe Wesley Dodd, Sandman from Sandman Mystery Theater, or um, maybe Blue maybe, Beetle when he let himself go. Right, I'm not that fat. Uh, or Night Owl from The Watchmen. I don't know. <laughs> Either way, it's not going to happen, man. So. Uh, let's see. If Super, if, if Firestorm were to ever have his own super pet, who would it be? Uh, I thought about this one, and I came up with uh, a dog, and I decided it would be Smokey the Pug. Uh. Now, so other other people have put together ideas for Firestorm super pet. This is mine. It'd be Smokey the Pug, and I just think it would be hilarious to see a pug, you know, with that, that big tongue. <laughs> running around with that little tail, running excited with his head on fire. I just think that would be freaking hysterical. Uh, and then with all these great uh, Future Quest comics that Jeff Parker has been doing, you know, they, these Future Quest comic is awesome. It takes those uh, old characters. You could do a Johnny Quest, because they've also been crossing over. You know, they had like, you know, Green Lantern and uh, Space Ghost, stuff like that. So you could do a Johnny Quest crossover with Firestorm, and then Smokey, the the pug, could hang out with Bandit. You'd have Smokey and the Bandit, and that would both be, that'd be awesome. You got Chris Franklin's attention. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I went a long way for that joke. <laughs> I 
Uh, so, Rob, will you ever tire of creating more uh, shows or Twitter handles? Twitter handles, yes. I only do it out of ne- feel like necessity, although I did create the Hostess Ads one, which is really not a necessity. Yeah, where the heck did that come from? I don't know. That was a weird hair that I had, and I just did it. Now it's got more followers than my art blog does. Um, <laughs> I, no, I said the, the shows, it's, you know, that's a good way to end this episode because I will say that this this podcast and this specifically this network and this whole world of podcasting has been the most creatively satisfying aspect of my life in terms of all the creative endeavors I've had. I was a freelance illustrator for over 10 years and I've done other projects. I've written things and I've worked on this. The, doing the podcast has been the most satisfying in terms of the, the work I'm the most proud of and what I think it means. So, no, I won't get tired of creating more shows. I wish I had more time. I really do. And if I could find a way to make money from this in a sort of gentle way that wouldn't affect the show and that I could, like, literally do this for a living, I would be living the dream of dreams because I would make the shows so much better and they would be so much cooler and I would have so much more time to do other things. But um, So, no, in, 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 in the reality, no, I would never tire of doing more shows. It's just a matter of finding the time to do them. Yeah. And I'll echo Rob's statement about uh, the most creatively satisfying thing I've ever been a part of, uh, especially when it became a network. Uh, I mean, I love working with Rob in all honesty. We've become very good friends. He's one of my best buddies in the world. Uh, but when we added the other guys into the mix and it became uh, a posse or something, I don't know. But like uh, every, these, guys, these are like my best buddies now. I mean, it's, we, we got a gang of friends that is just amazing. I love being friends with these guys. And it's so satisfying to, to hear their episodes and to make our episodes and to just be friends and shoot the shit and all those things. And uh, I love it. It's, uh, it's really been a highlight of my geek life. It really has. I do want to mention this, and this has happened just today. Uh, we, I've mentioned this to a couple of people here and there. We have a private Facebook uh, network Twitter thread. Not Twitter thread, Facebook thread. Uh, and it's just for us. Uh, that we all trade ideas back and forth. We talk about network business and stuff like that. And it's it's a it's like an it's an ever flowing river. Uh, it's never it's never quiet for more than a minute or two without somebody chiming in and then somebody chiming back. So anyway, this morning I go into work and we're having this conversation, a bunch of us back and forth. And then I had to log out for a little while because I had to work on a project. So I think I was gone for I don't know twenty minutes. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay, now I have a moment to break. So I log back in, and it says, you have 98 unread messages. I'm like, holy Christ, 98 messages. So I had to go all the way back. And that's that's what happens is when the conversations are flowing, man. It just gets crazy. And I really enjoy that part of it is just this sort of just perpetual motion machine that we've put into, we've put into, put into place. A lot of that was me uh, today. I, I, I think I should have been more productive at work today. But anyway. Oh, well. Uh, well, folks, that's 200 episodes in the bag. Um, unbelievable. And, you know, someone pointed out today when we realized we've got 800 episodes on the network this year, we're going to hit our 1000th episode in the fire and water podcast network, or maybe not this year, but within the next 12 months, we will hit the 1000th episode in the fire and water podcast network. Unfreaking believable. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because we'll probably do about September, October, November, December. That's where we basically do a show a day. So that's 120 yep. episodes. So yeah, we'll get to a, we'll be up to around 920 by the end of the year. Unbelievable! Wow. <laughs> a thousand, oh my gosh! Ugh, again, we talk way too much, folks. And and obviously, you guys have spent too much of your lives listening to us. Go outside, get some fresh air, read a book, 
talk to your family, whatever it takes. Just stop listening to us. <laughs> Great advice, Jack. Exactly. What a way to wrap up number 200. <laughs> Well, folks, uh, you know where to find us. Obviously, you know where to you know where to leave messages. Uh, again, go to the blog spot. Go to the Tumblr. Um, no, not really. I'm not doing anything with that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I guess all that's really left is uh, our sign off. Is that fair to say? Well, we do want to say uh, for next episode, uh, Don Heck takes over, and we're going to fight Ultra. Oh God! <laughs> what a way to celebrate that, right? <laughs> Little daily joke for all you out there. I I totally got it. I was with you. <laughs> all right, folks, that is gonna do it. So until next time, fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble.